Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 22 of the Friday Nightmares podcast. I am one half of your hosting team this evening, coming to you from Swartz Creek, Michigan, Smoke Show Crawford. And with me, as always, is the lovely Heather Powell, coming to you from Waterdown, Ontario, Canada. I refuse to call myself Pounding Powell. I will not... (laughs) I will not adopt to that nickname, though people do use it and that's fine. I just don't know if it really identifies with me as much as, like, I do like to pound, like I like to bang. Absolutely. And, and you I, like pounding drinks too. Oh, I, yeah, but I don't pound them. No, you don't. <laughs> like I, I'll pound shots and shit, but you don't pound back sangria. You're not like, oh man. Well, you're just not living your life then. Spent $11 on this glass of sangria. Let me drink it as quickly as fucking possible. Well, isn't no, that what you're supposed to do? No. Well, maybe oh. that's what you do, but I, I'm not rich like you, I guess. I like to try to make my drinks last, but <laughs> man, I drank this weekend, uh, of course and uh i just drank at home and uh with some friends and stuff and honestly like my tolerance has gone down since we went into red zone (laughs) oh no i know what are we gonna do um yeah like i definitely it didn't take as much i had a bottle of yellowtail red sangria to my face on uh friday night it was to your face (laughs) um yeah and i had fruit and everything like i cut up I had an orange, I had some raspberries, I had some grapes, like it was, it was fucking all out, let me tell you. Yeah, you sent me a picture of it, and I was impressed. Balls to the wall, you know, go big or go home, Scotty, go big or go home. That's the Um, only way to be, especially with you. Yeah, right, (laughs) that's how I do it. Um, But yeah, and then last night, I just went out with my parents for dinner, and then had some drinks, and came back, and had some more drinks and it was like I don't know like I I slept till 10 30 today I was up till two in the morning I originally told Scott I was going to bed at midnight but then I didn't uh, yeah I'll say we ended up chatting till like in the group chat till like a, was it 12 30 one o'clock uh, no it was like one because I watched 1 30 because I was watching South Park I was watching the episode where Butters uh, parents try to kill him or kill him <laughs> they try to oh, cover yeah. it up and shit yeah it's funny I love South Park that shit's jokes man oh I love South Park <laughs> it's so funny um and the night before I was watching some Rick and Morty um as You're well going for some good old adult humored cartoons I love it yeah I like Rick and Morty too it's really fucking funny oh it is like that's it's a good um it's a good little series but yeah like and then i went shopping for uh thursday which was your thanksgiving so happy thanks belated thanksgiving scott thank you um and all my american brothers and sisters and yeah i did i like i hammered out the shopping first time i've stepped foot in a mall in over a year and i just like fucking nailed that bitch i went like store to store to store got my shit i've finished all my christmas shopping with the exception of like a handful of gifts like stuff like bottles of wine and shit like things that you just you know get closer to the date because you're not going to buy a bottle of wine now and have it sitting around for fucking like i mean why not days. well wine like, gets better with age heather I, but it but <laughs> I, to be honest with you what i'm more concerned about is me hitting it and breaking it so scott's just flashing me his crotch everybody <laughs> i just want everyone to know Scott, your fans only recording or only fans recording is later. Oh, Not shit. right I now. Was... Well, okay, fine. I'll, this will just be a peep show for you then. 
I know what your dick looks like. I've seen it many a times now. <laughs> I get it, okay? It's a nice penis, all right? It's really nice. It's just perfect size, perfect girth. Gets the job done. You should be very proud of it. But I don't need to see it every time we podcast. Come well, on, Scott. Well, little smoke show junior's got to come out and help talk about the well, show. Well, I wouldn't call it little. You know, I think that's an insult to it. It's it's a fairly good size, healthy, strapping young man. So let's <laughs> obviously been drinking his milk and taking his vitamins and saying his prayers like good little Hulkamaniacs. Oh my um, gosh! I know he's so awkward now. He's like, why did you talk about my dick on the podcast? <laughs> That's what happens when I show it to Heather. She just has to tell everybody on the show now. I get really excited. I love dick. You know, like, <laughs> I love cock. I heart cock. Um, <laughs> like, I do, though. I love it. I love the cock. I'm, oh, I'm I know you do. I'm not one of these chicks that are like, ew, yucky. I'm like, mm, give me some of that shit. Like, <laughs> definitely no issues here. Anyway, <laughs> I've kind of babbled on because... Sometimes you don't have anything interesting to say, but we'll let you oh. talk now about your Thanksgiving and I don't know, your cock or shopping or whatever it is you feel like talking about. No, I'm, I'm done. The show's over. Oh, okay. Brandon Orlick, can you, can you come on the show, please? <laughs> but yeah, I had a, I had a good Thanksgiving. I mean, it was not your typical, like not my typical Thanksgiving with the big family and all that because due to everything that's been going on we scotty follows the rules yeah and it was just ended up being me and my parents and i see them at least uh twice a week so i was like yeah going to the going to see them for thanksgiving is not a big deal so we just had dinner together and then spent a good couple hours there just hanging out and then trying to remember i really didn't do much on friday just kind of uh relaxed around the house and did some things and I threw my back out. I don't know if I ever mentioned it on the show, but I've been just like slowly recovering from that. So I'm trying to take it as easy as possible while still trying to do some things around the house. But uh, I start. I did decorate a little bit for Christmas just to get a little bit of the Christmas spirit. Hey, in the you house. got something exciting going on every day. Why don't you talk about your calendar? Oh yeah, I'll say. I'm sure everybody that's listening for the most part has noticed. But uh, yep, I got a Gremlins Advent calendar that each. Uh, I think it was a Halloween advent calendar because it was 31 days instead of 25. Um, so I started it earlier just so on the 31st day it'll land on December 25th. But yep, each door holds like some little miniature figure or something along those lines to represent gremlins. And yeah, so far I think it was like, it was Gizmo and then it ended up being, uh, I think it was, oh, a little fur ball to represent mm -hmm. uh, when he got wet. And then it turned into an egg. And then the, or no, then it was a, it was Stripe, the Mogwai. Then it was the egg with a little bag of slime, which I'll probably uh, take a picture of everything set up when it's all said and done and make the slime on the, put the slime out and everything. Um, then it came out with a gremlin and then Stripe is a gremlin so far. So I'm kind of curious to see which, uh, what each little figure is going to be going forward because it's, definitely telling the story of gremlins like in the in the order that it happens that's awesome it looks really fun i'm actually really impressed by it yeah i'll say it's really freaking cool because it's like uh it's a fold-out theater 
like I haven't taken picture of the full theater. Like I think I sent a picture to you with it all folded out, but I haven't like posted it on Facebook. But I'm waiting until I'm all done and I can have all the figures sit in the theater seats and all that stuff. That's but, awesome. Yeah, it's pretty neat. So I'm just using that to get myself in the Christmas spirit. I decorated my uh, Gremlins shelf, so I got like some garland hanging around it, and got a little miniature black Christmas tree right next to the theater. And then you're gonna watch Black Christmas. Black Christmas, <laughs> the 1974 one, not, not the oh. other pieces of shit. Oh, I was gonna watch 2019. Made. You kidding me? Oh, uh, 2019. You know, just don't. Yeah, yeah <laughs> just yeah. Oh, don't yeah. worry. I'm gonna get myself in the Christmas spirit and watch Christmas horror films. That one's on the list. I'm dreading it, but I'm going to watch it. You know what? If you just know that it, go into it knowing that it's a very, um, it very much identifies with the Me Too movement, which is a very important movement. It's just the yep. message was a little over the top at times um, and kind of took away from the seriousness of the movement, in my opinion. Um, and, you know, it has nothing to do with the original Black Christmas. <laughs> I think no, if you not, walk not into all. it knowing that and you go, this is just going to be a fun science fa- fiction-y slashery film, you'll have a good time with it. And honestly, like, uh, I don't know how many people expect it to be anything like the original Black Christmas. Well, I guess people that don't watch trailers, but I watch the trailer and goes, wow, this looks nothing like the original. And I, I would have I went in expecting that. I, I remember you were dating a chick last year and you were thinking of her and you going to see this. Oh, yeah. And I had went to see, and I had gone to see it and I was like, no, no, Scotty, do not take a woman to see this fucking movie. <laughs> like, it's just, it was, you know, and I saw it with someone I'm romantically involved with and I was like, yeah, that's, that's not something you do. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, and like, I've known this person a long time and, you know, and we were very close friendships. So we were able to be like, you know, it was, but it was uncomfortable. Like there were parts where I mean, I was like, what the fuck is this shit? Like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on here? So yeah, I think watching it, knowing that it's like a sci-fi-ish, um, goofy romance, like not goofy romance, goofy, like slasher. I think you'll be fine with it. Like, just know it's a lot of me too. You know, it's yeah. a, it's it's really high on the Me Too movement, um, to me to a detrimental point, uh, and I'm very much for the Me Too movement, but I think this film just missed the missed the mark. Um, yeah, that's that's uh, that's what I had heard, and you did an amazing review of it with a bunch of others on the Fresh Cuts last year. Oh yeah, back in December last year, uh, yeah, when which, I was a baby way, podcaster. Which, by the way, happy one year of friendship. Are you tired of me yet? Do you want an honest answer on the podcast or do you refer? No, of course not. Of course, I'm not tired of you, Scott. Um, you know, clearly uh, you are very important to me and you've continued to be. Um, we've shared lots of experiences together. Like I've seen your dick many a times and I just love it more and more each time. Everywhere, you know, wherever it is. In my mouth, I mean, with a hat on, <laughs> on the train. When we're at, when we're out at the convention, we're at the convention, and you naked. just like pull out your dick, and you're like, "Hey, Heather, I just wanted to say hi," and I give him a high five. You know, <laughs> like I just really appreciate Good those Lord. moments that we have together. Um, <laughs> but no, I think we're very lucky. You know, it's funny when we first met. Um, we we visited a lot within the first. Uh, 
three months of knowing each other, which was a little difficult for me because I live, you know, not that far away, but the exchange is very expensive for me to right. leave Canada and go to the United States, even if you're just driving. And I went to see Scott in December and in January and in February. And I told him in February that I couldn't keep this rate of visiting up that I would probably be, well, and also my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer at that time. Um, and I don't think I've ever talked about that on the podcast. No, I don't think you did. I don't think I have. Um, but yeah, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer in February. And uh, Scott, of course, understood that priorities had to be done. I actually got some news about that when I was uh, visiting him. Yeah. In February um, about the testing that she had been doing. So anyway, we had already planned that I wasn't going to come out there again until April because of, um, I think I was going to come from Morty City Nightmares. Yep. That's what we were talking about. Yeah, but um, I was going to try and like if there was time and whatnot, I was going to try making it out in March because I had already yeah. paid for my enhanced license and was just waiting for it to get there yes. in the mail. And it was also depending on my mom and other things yeah. too. Uh, you know, spoiler, my mom beat cancer. She had her surgery in April. And she did, uh, they removed the tumor along with a bunch of other stuff. And she's uh, done her uh, radiation and she's uh, she's doing really well. So that's, and I'm happy. To, I'm happy yeah. to hear that. So it ended <laughs> good. Good end to 2020. <laughs> Let's talk about the positive stuff. But you know, I had no idea. I remember having this need. I've always had a uh, an idea that I'm like I should see Scott as much as I can now because it was tiring. Like you know, it's a three and a half hour drive. Um, but I thought I better go now because you never know, and you do never know because yeah. here we are. And uh, Scott and Brandon Orlick and I were joking around last night. And um, it's true. I don't know when we will be getting together again in person. Yeah, uh, it's going to be up in the air for quite some time. And it's just crazy. And and uh, I was just thinking about this, too. And it's crazy because uh, probably by the time this episode is released will be the round of time of the one year that you had come to visit me. And we and, went to see Gremlins. Yep, we went to see Gremlins. And that and was that when... spilled the fucking Skittles in the movie theater. Yep. <laughs> I talked about that on our first episode. The fuck you, that was funny. You oh did, and I, was gonna, and I was going to say, uh, and that will be also one year since you and I came up with the idea for the show. That's right. Yeah, we decided that we were going to do podcasting. I was getting more and more to podcasting, which reminds me, I'm wearing my Kill the Cast tank top. I had to cover it up because I got cold, not because I didn't want to show off my... Yeah, she just didn't want to show her boobs to me after I showed her my penis. Oh, fuck. You've seen them. It's funny. It's fine. <laughs> Let's not be coy now, Scott. <laughs> All right. You know what they look like. So anyway, um, they're not big either. Like they're just, they're there, but they're proud. <laughs> <laughs> just like your cock. All our shit is it's super like... proud. <laughs> All our, our sexual items are just super proud. <laughs> anyway. Um, but uh, where was it going with a super inappropriate conversation? Oh, what are we talking about? We're talking about oh, like our visiting. show, our show idea. Our show, up. okay, fuck. Anyway, <laughs> it has nothing to do with cocks and tits. I don't know why. Oh, kill the cast T-shirt. That's yes. what I'm talking about. All right, kill the cast tank top. <laughs> it's so all anyway, back around. Four years ago, or I guess they a year ago they had their four year anniversary. Four year anniversary, I think it was. Yep. And I was on that show, and I am so utterly grateful to Jay and Kenneth and Jerry for giving me my start in podcasting. Uh, words cannot ever express how much those three gentlemen mean to me and how much I appreciate them. And particularly, I want to thank Jay 
I know he doesn't listen to this show, but if it wasn't for Jay quote making fun of people on this horror movie Facebook group that I follow and me thinking he was fucking hilarious and that led to me listening to Kill the Cast, I probably would have never met you. And I yeah. probably would never be doing what I'm doing today. So thank you, Jay. Yeah, thank um, you very much, Jay. And thank you to Jerry and Kenneth and Jay for having me on their show and kind of, you know, I remember being so afraid. And I'm not like Scott. Scott, Scott's been doing this shit for years. So he's had two other podcasts before this one. Guest studied on multiple podcasts before. So he was really the veteran coming into this. And I still feel like he's a veteran. Like I may be the, um, the comical relief, but he is the like glue that holds everything together. So I'm really, really glad I've been able to work with him. And I think one of the biggest compliments, and I really appreciate Christian said this from Exploding Heads, and Dave C has said it before as well too, um, that our chemistry is good, that we flow yes. well together, that we have good conversation. We talk about cocks and balls and tits, which, you know what? If there's anything the fucking horror community loves, it's cocks and balls and tits. It's so, so true. We are, we are on the fucking mark. Um, yeah, and I just consider myself really blessed. And even though 2020's had its ups and downs, Scott has been a phenomenal friend and been there for me through uh, thick and thin. I have, uh, I've been there for Scott with all his dating adventures because when you're Smoke Show Crawford, <laughs> all right, like there's a lot of ladies out there that want a piece of, want a piece of the Smoky Bear. Oh yeah. So yeah, come to the, you know your biceps are actually looking pretty good because you don't work out. Imagine if you fucking like actually hit the gym and did some like fucking working out. How good you would look. Right? Not that you don't look good now, but you'd be like fucking breaking hearts left, right, and center. Yeah, one of these days when I'm actually feeling like I'm not like a broken old man, I will be definitely getting back to the gym. You are like an old man. I am. I would say broken though. Oh, my back feels like it. Mm. Mm. That's there, about the only part. My back, lick my It's like that. Anyway. <laughs> wow, going there. <laughs> I always go there, Scott. That's true. It's true. What am I thinking? <laughs> Come on now. Is there anything you wanted to say about our one-year anniversary, Scott? Anything? Oh, just that, uh, I mean, you covered it, uh, but at the same time, like, yeah, I am forever thankful because, like you were saying, with uh, Jay kind of bringing you into the fold and Bring, like if I didn't hear you on Kill the Cast, I would have never sent you a friend request because I would have known wouldn't have had any idea who you really were. And then just that I am so thankful that you decided to randomly message me like out of the blue on a in November. <clears throat> and uh like as soon as you did that, we just our friendship was like almost ignited. And I'm glad that we had continued talking every single day and like building our relationship as a friend and then coming together on this idea for our show and I could never have done this without you. This is probably the probably the best project I have ever worked on and the best partner mm -hmm. I could have to work on it with. We are pretty good, aren't we? It's true. We are. Like, you make this fun. Like, it felt like <laughs> a job before and now it just feels like <laughs> two friends hanging out, talking shit, laughing at each other's jokes, laughing at our own jokes, <laughs> watching movies and just... It like uh like you were saying like with Christian and Dave like I think part of it is uh our with our chemistry is that we have fun and we you know while this is the podcast we don't take this serious it's our hobby it's just for fun 
And, you know, I, I really do respect what Christian and Dave have to say, because I do think Exploding Heads is a very good example of people that flow well. I think oh, the yeah. same thing about Kill the Cats. And I think other podcasts do it well, too. It's just, I think that when you have a connection, like obviously Dan and Lacey, but they're a couple. So I feel like that's not, they would make it flow well anyway. And they're like super cute and they call each other baby and shit. Like, I just find right. that fucking adorable. Like, I love when people drop, like, co- other couples are like baby or they put selfies of themselves together. I fucking eat that shit up like candy. I'm always like, heart emoji, heart emoji, love, 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 like, 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 even though I would vomit if someone tried to do that shit with me. I'm like, I don't <laughs> that other people do that. Like, it's such no, a- you, you totally love it when others do it. I do. I think it's like the cutest fucking thing ever. Um, but no, those are very kind words, Scott. I very much appreciate it. And um, I'll continue to like your dick pics. Oh, right. Um, and then uh, yeah, and I also wanted to say, you know, thank you very much for being there for me throughout all this. Like we've been there for each other throughout all this entire year. But yeah, like you were my rock that kept me sane through all this shit. Yeah, I can definitely say the same thing. And we, uh, you know, it's amazing that you can really connect with somebody and even not see them for a long time and still maintain that friendship um and you know i think that's really really important and you know i say friendship but i i wish i could just remove that relationship like i consider us in a relationship i was gonna be like oh i knew it but But I consider myself having multiple relationships, just so we're clear here. Oh, for sure. Um, I, I, I tell, I, I was doing my Christmas cards this year and um, I was buying some gifts for some friends of mine in the States and everyone but Scott had a card option <laughs> I bought for her. Scott's the only one that's not getting a card option. So I'm going to have to send it in messenger. But I say to all my friends, love you to the moon and back. And it doesn't matter who that person is. If I've ever been intimate with them or I haven't been intimate with them, I still say love Heather to the moon, like love you to the moon and back Heather XOXO. Yeah. Because if I love you, I love you. Exactly. I don't, and sexual attraction and chemistry to me is separate. Yes, there is people that I have sexual attraction to that I also love. And then there's people that I would fucking lay on a track for, but I'm not sexually attracted to them, to them, whether they be male or female. And I am heterosexual. I'm not attracted to women, though. Fuck, if I was, man, like, I don't know, man, I'd be busy. I don't even think I could. Yeah, yeah so like, I, don't think, I don't even think we'd be able to talk anymore. You'd just be too busy. I'd You'd be, be putting smoke show to shame. Right? Like, I'd be banging everybody. Um, but, like, I, I don't feel the need to keep saying friendship. Like, when I talk about my relationship with you, it's my relationship. Yes. You know, I would never feel like, oh, I love you platonically. I'd be like, no, I love you. Like, yeah. I love you. You know? And and I think Scott's a good-looking man. He's smoke show Crawford. Of course he is. He's a fucking hottie. <laughs> so I'd be lying if I said I wasn't attracted to Scott. I think he's a good-looking dude. But, like, you can say those things and not be in the middle of being intimate with someone there's people that i've been intimate with broken up with and i still think they're hot there's people that i've never banged that i still think are hot like there's chicks who i think are hot and i think that like i don't know i i always i hate i hate classifying things as friend like yeah, if i love you i love you like that's because yeah, i was gonna say is. a relationship is someone you have built a strong connection with and will do anything for Absolutely. And of course, other people may look at that differently. And that's absolutely fine. That's just yeah. how I look at things. I was so, saying, kind of the same way, like friendship, relationship, it's the same thing. Right. And I think a lot of that has to do with being married, divorce, and my own view on life. And, you know, there's a lot of people who I like, but then there's people who I love. 
and and yeah. to me that line is is very clear so anyway but yeah happy anniversary to us of meeting and podcasting together our one year podcasting vomiting anniversary we'll have to bring this shit up again we'll be in january uh when we record in person and remember and we'll tell the story how it took you fucking 45 minutes to be fucking ready to record that fucking goddamn podcast <laughs> And I was too polite at the time because I was like, oh my God, he's clearly nervous. Now you don't do any of that shit. You jump on and you're like balls to the wall, ready to go. Yep. It was just that whole getting back into it, nervousness and never hosting like the show myself before. And just like, it was, it was nerve wracking. And yeah, my, like, that's me. Like I don't show nervousness. I just, you can see it through my actions. Yes, you can see it through your actions. Absolutely. You're very poker faced. Po poker face, po poker poker face. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I guess we should like wow, we bullshitted. Wow. Do you see that? That was like twenty five minutes of just fucking not talking about literally nothing. Right? Well, Cox before and balls we, uh... and our friendship. How like hilarious is that? <laughs> well, I think it's great because that just goes to show our like how much fun we have. We can just sit here and chat. And speaking of which, I just wanted to say to everyone that's listened thank you for being on this journey with us oh wow look at that scott yeah i thank you too not just scott <laughs> i actually thank you more than scott <laughs> well I'll, i'm gonna be the one that gets the only fans going we'll see how much everybody thanks me then i don't know man you probably would fuck like you get <laughs> you get all these ladies wanting to listen to our podcast i just get dudes being like hey you like horror <laughs> You like you like horror movies? I can like... I can hold you during uh the scary. Oh yeah, <laughs> like I I could cuddle you and hold you during the scary parts. Oh, you're sweet. You're a sweetie. <laughs> oh, if only you knew. Oh, baby, you're like 15 years younger than me, sweetheart. Mm, I don't <laughs> think so. Um, and it was a nice gesture. It was. It was a very nice gesture. Yes, but thank you to our fans all over the world. Um, yes. we can say that and uh we really appreciate all of you and your support and keeping scott and i's egos in check well my ego well, in check yeah i was gonna say i, I don't even know how how in check it is because we we still got to bring you down every once in a while oh you can bring me down oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah <laughs> that's what she said oh yeah <laughs> that's what all she right. said and that's what he did <laughs> you're such a fucking nerd <laughs> All right, you ready right, to jump into these movies? She's <laughs> like, I can't keep doing this. We talked about my cock and my balls. <laughs> and she's got me a nerd. I talked about my only fans. Oh my god, Heather, we need to move into the fucking movie. All right, so our 2020 films that we've been watching. Welcome to our very serious podcast that is Friday Nightmares. Um, oh. So I watched. Did you see this one? Yep. Crawlers. It is into the dark hulu now some of you who listen to our show know that canada ain't got no hulu nope but i got a friend who has sex and he <laughs> downloaded these bad boys for this little canadian and let me say these into the darks are fucking fun that's exactly what they are they're not like all oh, the greatest movie of all time or the worst movie of all time they're just fun watches they're just kind of there. I yeah. uh, I watched an older one, I, the Halloween one from last year with the board game. Uh, Annie, I didn't Candy, see that one. Annie. Yeah. Oh, watch it. Was it watch good? Watch it. Yeah, it's fun. It's a really fucking and it, and it and all of these have the made for TV feel to them. Yeah. Um, fuck, they're funny. 
Yeah, no, I, well, I'll say, I think you have it on here already. Uh, no, you don't, but I was going to say, like, before we jump into this one, uh, what did you think of that Pilgrims one? Yeah, that was funny, too. That one it was like, over the top. I loved it because it, it was so over the top. <laughs> like, even with crawlers, like, I found that that one chick, she's looking for her friend the entire time, and her friend's such a bitch. Yeah. I don't know why she was looking for her. But anyway, she was. Uh, but yeah, I think for like the Hulu Into the Darks, you really got to walk into these being like, this is made for TV. It's a little like teenage friendly. Except for one, I found Delivered was a lot darker. Yeah. Um, really dark. But like, the rest of them, like they're fucking teenage, feel good, fucking truth or dare shit. Like, that's what it reminds me of, and it's fine. It was entertaining. I find I've showed them to people that are mediocre horror fans, and they've really enjoyed them. They're only an hour and 20 minutes in length, so I find that they're very palatable. So I yep. think that if you have someone who kind of likes horror but isn't, like, super hardcore into it, or maybe doesn't like the uh, the artsy stuff, Into the Dark, great movies to watch. Yep, I was going to say, just very easily digestible, fun watches. Like, these are ones that I can just throw on while I'm at work and not have to worry. Absolutely. I agree 100%. Um, yeah, and I guess we can uh, jump into the next one. Or, oh, I got to say, too, yeah. But I I enjoyed Crawlers as well. I thought that one was really fun because um, it reminded me of, like, a uh, teeny bopper version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yes. Yes. And, and it reminded me of drinking, which yeah, I <laughs> totally represented with. <laughs> well, I was going to say this. And they each... smoked up. I also do that too. So it was great. Right. I was totally like, man, where's this fucking party at? <laughs> I want to go. <laughs> but I was going to say, because this was one of the, because uh, Into the Dark does the, oh, each one's based on a holiday of one form or another. And this one was the St. Paddy's Day one. Yes, it and, was. Yeah. Yep, I thought it was uh, fun. Nothing like amazing, but it was just like a fun, simple watch. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Just like Scott. Oh. Simple watch. But not amazing. Oh, amazing in so many ways. <laughs> oh, you're okay, fine. I feel better It's in the next fucking movie. <laughs> uh, so the next one is one that you uh, told me I needed to watch, and that was called Bonebreaker. Bonebreaker. Which was kind of a low-budget one that, what was this, on our good friend's Plex? Or no, this one was on Prime. Prime. Yeah, and uh, this one was, yeah, just a pretty uh, gruesome... Uh, interesting story with a very low budget but like using their budget well uh but it's about this uh people that are out in the woods doing fitness like models these, yes fitness models uh doing like their hardcore fitness out in the woods and then they're getting chased by someone that's pretty much set this these woods up to be hunting grounds yeah she's a crazy um individual that engages in some very violent behavior it's a simplistic plot it really is. People go out to the woods and the person that's hosting them is not who they seem. Nothing that we haven't seen before. Right. But just how evil the main antagonist is and her lack of mercy and her lack of um, compassion is yes. what makes the movie so fucked up at parts, for lack of a better word. Yeah, and I loved her obsession with, like, she was just bored of hunting regular people, so she wanted, like, some fitness athletic people, someone that would give her a challenge. Which, do they? You'll right. have to watch it. But and it is available on Apple, iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, Prime, and Hoopla! Hoopla! Hoop! 
La. Have you ever watched? Do you ever use Hoopla? No, I don't have. Uh, I have a library card for my town, but I don't know if they actually have Hoopla for for my small little town. Oh, you have a little baby town. A little baby town. <laughs> baby town. All like right. If I went to the Genesee County Library, I'd probably be able to. Genesee County. Yeah. County. County. Way down yonder at the Catacoochee. Um, so blood and so our next movie is a documentary. Documentary. Um Blood and Flesh, the real life and ghastly deaths of Al Addison. Adamson. Adamson. Yeah. Right. Yep, um now had you heard of this story before? No, I had no idea who this guy was. I never knew about what happened to him. Um, I did know one of his movies, uh, Psycho A Go Go, because I had randomly bought that through on a, like a movie sale a long time ago, and mm. but I had no idea who he was or anything about it. But yeah, this was a very well done documentary. Like, because I literally just finished it right before we started recording, because I started it earlier this week and then finished the last half of it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I really like how they did this where they talk about his life they talk about his films and everything he did with the films and to talk about leading up to his death yeah which is messed up now have you ever seen a stranger in my home the series? Uh, no i have not so i had originally heard about the story on a stranger in my home and it's a series and it's i think it was out for three or four seasons it's a great real life murder series now they do have reenactments in it and it talks and this was one of the stories they covered um, because the person that murders him, and this isn't a spoiler, um, if you know anything about this gentleman, it's, uh, it was his handyman that yeah. did it. Um, so A Stranger in My Home, if anyone wants to see that hour-long documentary with the reenactments in it, it goes more into the details of the murder. Um, and it's really, really well done. Yeah, because so, I want to check that out. I meant to check it out before we recorded, but I just didn't have enough And time. you can just find it on YouTube. Honestly. Nice. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah this is available on amazon um itunes google microsoft store prime video and shutter yep that's where i watched it and i would like to congratulate australia uh tim davis and daniel for receiving shutter they oh yeah About have time, shutter guys. now in australia i noticed that we shout them out a lot they just shout you out to insult your taste in movies scott right and then they uh then they uh mention you in the questions of the week and uh the movies that you watch yeah, and and they still haven't read my review. Yeah, on their show. So anyway, though, we we're going to take the high road, Scott, and we're going to congratulate them on Shutter. But uh, I recommend this documentary. I think a it's very interesting to learn more about kind of the BC movie craze of this cheap, low budget horror movies of the sixties and seventies, and the driving craze. It's it's very interesting. Yeah. Um, and he seems like he was a pretty cool dude. Like, yeah, I'll say like he was very cheap with the way he did things, but like that's what made those movies charming in their own way. It seems like. Mm-hmm. Well, it was cheap with paying people. That yeah, was that his too. cheapness, right? Which you can question on the ethics of that, but that's not what we're here to discuss here on Friday Nightmares. Um, <laughs> There's no here. ethics here on Friday Nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> well, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> So that everyone a question. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely worth checking out. Great documentary. Um, yeah, if you enjoy documentaries, give it a watch. Yeah, highly, highly recommend. This is probably one of the better documentaries I've seen this year. 
Oh, that's very high praise coming from you, Mr. Crawford. Oh, it is. It isn't. I've only seen like five. <laughs> but... You're like, out of the five, this one's really fucking good. Yep. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, so the next one is Delivered, which is another Into the Dark. I've already talked about Into the Dark. The only thing I would say about Delivered is it's one of the more darker ones, but it rips off a lot of crime ones that have actually happened. Yep. Oh, it absolutely <laughs> does. Um, Very well acted, though. You know, you can see the story coming a mile away, but... I yet again I enjoyed it and if you wanted to maybe see if someone would like something like misery or other movies about um torture and kidnapping and pregnancy of which isn't misery but whatever the case may be you show them delivered it's uh it's not a bad film no I'll say it's uh it was another one of those uh a little bit rougher to watch compared to the others because of the because of the uh, topic but Mm -hmm. still like a very simple plot nothing too crazy and out of the out of out there and you can use your big brain to follow it you should be fine yeah um and the last thing i want to add is that some people have said that into the dark are tv episodes that's fine if you consider them tv episodes and not movies i'm not here to debate you on it scott and i have counted them as films uh due to their runtime of usually being in about an hour and 20 minutes but yep. and plus you can search up the movie title or the movie of each one of these on letterbox and rate them so that's how i look at it too yeah and i don't really care what people think so that's how we we do our own thing how i rate it um you know if you want to go watch it and call it a tv series or not you don't want to watch it that's fine bottom line is i think if you have someone that introductory horror may like horror may not this might be a good little feeler bubblegum easy fucking films to really get through even the heavy ones are not that heavy right exactly uh you want me to take the next one i sure do all right so the next one is cujo from 2020 oh i mean pray <laughs> the puppy was as cute though who's a good puppy who's a oh good puppy God. yes this movie is pretty much a spanish version of cujo except for the person that is getting hunted down by the dog is uh quadriplegic and Spanish. In Spanish. <laughs> and okay. yep, the, like it is like pretty much like beat for beat the exact story of Cujo in so many ways. It's ridiculous, but a lot of plot holes. Like once again, <laughs> yeah, you once again, really... one of those that yeah. once again, it's one of those where if I watched it on my own, I would probably enjoy it more. But watching it with Heather, she's going, wait a minute. What about this? Wait a minute. What about this? And I'm going, oh, yep. Okay. Well, actually, we had a threesome when we watched this movie. We sure did. It was all nice and sweaty. Oh, wait. We were all wrong threesome. (laughs) Wrong threesome, Scott. Uh, Brandon Orlick from Exploding Heads watched this movie with us. We watched it all together last uh, Sunday. You're wondering, how did they do that? We did it through uh, Facebook Messenger, and we video chatted each other, and we watched the movie. I was able to- I gave him an exploding head. Oh, you sure did. Um, I was able to rent it through Google Play. How did you guys get it again? Uh, this one was, uh, I don't crap. I don't even remember the name of the app, but it was, uh, a seven day free trial for this unheard of app that was on Amazon. Like, oh, so it's like when you go to Amazon and they have all those premium channels that you can add on, it was one of those. Yeah. Cause I just searched the movie up okay. and it said, uh, seven day free trial or buy it for like 20 and I'm going, I'm not buying it. No, no, no. I'm I'm, I, I bet you're glad you didn't. I paid four ninety nine on it. It was fine. I don't pay for a lot of movies anymore. So, you know, it was, it was okay. Um, 
I really like dogs. So if you really like dogs, you might enjoy this film and you love really good dog actors. Uh, the dog actor was really good. And I, yeah. I know that sounds silly, but the dog was extremely well-trained. Yeah, the, the dog was amazing. Dog was right up there. And the young lady in it was quite good um, for her role. I think she did fine. But it was a slow movie. Uh, not a lot happens. I, I don't recommend seeing it. We only talked about it because the three of us watched it and there was a dog. Only right, exactly. Up, to be and honest, all three of you. us love dogs. So we just yeah, wanted to watch it. Yeah, all three of us love dogs. And we, and we had so much fun just chilling watching it uh, more than anything else. Yeah. Probably why the only reason why we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> like, it, it's one I wouldn't recommend, but at the same time, it's like, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen either. Um, yeah, I wouldn't recommend watching it, though, unless you really like German Shepherds. Yes. Like a lot. And you really want to see some some puppies, then because he, he's a good on. boy, he's such a good boy, right? Exactly. And then I guess is it the next one is me? Yep. Well, like you and I both watched it. Okay, so the next one is Immortal, and holy fuck! Occasionally, a movie comes around and is so real, you kind of wonder if you're watching. <sighs> fantasy and fiction come together in this film and you're not quite sure where the line is drawn yeah uh, it's heavy it's um it's an anthology and tony todd is in one scene one of the stories which the story i want to just say if you have anybody that has passed away from cancer it may be a very challenging watch well hell even if you don't like i yeah. was freaking i was actually crying watching that segment it was a very well acted um actually you know i'm going to read a review here from dustin dustin on letterbox just at the beginning what his his statement says an odd but very welcome approach to an anthology especially in these years of slapping shorts together with no rhyme or reason and dumping them on vod and I think that yeah. that is, thank you, Dustin from Letterboxd, four point four four and a half star rating. Um, I think that sums it up the best. This yeah. is this is a very good anthology. The stories are all very true to life with a little bit of science fiction, um, horror elements tied into it. Um, well acted. Yeah, I will say. If you were wanting to see uh, Tony Todd and probably his most emotional performance and most probably his best performance, in my opinion, is in the short. And like some decently well-known people. We have Dylan Baker. People would recognize him from Requiem for a Dream, Selma, Revolutionary Road, Planes, Trains, Automobiles. He was in Trick or Treat as the principal that does all that killing. Yes, he is. Um, Sam Levine. Uh, Some people might recognize him from inglorious bastards not another teen movie um jobs i love you beth cooper so definitely someone that you would know um agonist buccaneer she's been in murder by numbers the glass house the pack the woods lots of other movies no vacancy too so yeah definitely there's some people in here that you are going to be like oh fuck i know who that is right oh fuck i know who that is uh just a really heavy 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 film that's all i'm gonna say about 
some of the scenes. Um, it's a, it's a movie of that horror that takes that real, real life approach to it. So. Yep. And it will get, it will affect you one way or another. Absolutely. And it's a 94 minute runtime. It's available on Google play, Amazon, and YouTube. Yeah, And uh, I'll talk about the next one, which is also one that Heather recommended to me, like with high praise. And that was from Amazon Prime as well, I believe. And that was uh, science fiction horror, Dark Encounter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is pretty much about a family that their daughter, they come home one day and their daughter is missing. And I think it was like one year later, like, they start noticing things happening around the woods around their house. Yes, it's a very, now I will, I will give a disclaimer here. I could see how some people will consider this a drama um, with science fiction elements to it because it, the horror in it is very subtle. I will definitely, or some people will argue not at all. And that's fine. I recommended it to both Brandon and, and Scott, so Brandon Orlick from Exploding Heads and Scott, because I know their taste. And I watched this, and I and I was just doing a random review on Prime, and we'll get more maybe into that later of why I was doing that. And I randomly found this movie, and I watched it. It's a story about a young girl that disappears, and it's a year later, and there is a alien invasion that brings out the truth to what happened to this young lady. And it's not what you think. Yep. Um, The acting in it is fucking phenomenal. And I don't think anyone could debate that. And if you do, that's fine. I'll take you up on it because the acting in this movie is very, very good. It's very, very drama with science fiction. The horror parts of it comes from probably some suspenseful scenes in the science fiction piece, but I definitely would have no problem with someone acknowledging this is one of their top 10, 20 films of the year. Right. It's a very good film, but I only would recommend it. Like Tim Davis, if you're listening, don't watch this movie. You're not going to enjoy it. I know you and you're not going to like this film. Right. Um, Mark Nato, if you're listening, I think you may like this film. So I think that there's just certain people that, you know, are going to like it and you know that are not. I don't think Christian Luciana would like this film. And it doesn't mean it's a bad movie or the people that like it are good. And Like, you know what? I mean? It's just certain people are going to enjoy this film and certain people are not. Yep. I'll say we just all have different tastes. And right. Like even you and I, we have different tastes, but like we do come together on certain films too. I knew that this film would be liked by you and Brandon. I knew yeah. it for a fact. I watched this movie, but I also know the both of you extremely well. And I knew right. that you would both enjoy this. Right, exactly. And even if we didn't enjoy it, we would have a lot of respect for it. I knew you'd enjoy it. I was pretty confident. Like, I knew. I just knew. When I got to the fucking third act, I'm like, there is no way neither one of them are going to fucking not dig this. <laughs> yeah, like, I was pretty much glued to my screen the whole time watching right, this film. Right. And there's a little bit of a Lovecraftian thing going on, maybe a little bit. I don't know if you yeah, could. But, yeah, like, very loosely. Very loosely, I guess. I don't know. I'm not good with Lovecraft. I don't know what the fuck Lovecraft is. I just think of it's weird as Lovecraft, but that's... I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> you're um, on the right track. So obviously you can find this on Prime. It's available Prime United States, Prime Canada. It's a free watch. Uh, if you enjoy drama and you enjoy science fiction-y stuff, check it out. Yep. High, high recommend from both of us, and I believe even Brandon Orlick really Yeah, Brandon really loves one. it, yeah. So yes, watch it and 
Tim Davis, this one deserves my high score, so you can fuck right off. Yeah, but don't watch it, Tim. You're not going to like it. <laughs> and we don't want to hear you shit all over the movie, Tim, so it's fine. Right? You're not going to like it. Don't watch it. Or if you're, if you're going to watch it, wait till we can uh, join you uh, on Horror for Dummies and we can uh, tell you how wrong you are. <laughs> how am I wrong? We're like, we respect everyone's opinions, but Tim's. <laughs> You got to bring him down a peg once That's in a while. That's funny. Bring him down a peg. I love it. That's awesome. Love you, Tim. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the next one, um, this one's already fading from my memory a lot. So uh, it's Playhouse, which I <laughs> There's believe... a reason why it's fading from your memory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this one was a... Uh, was this one on Prime or was this one of our screeners? This was a screener. Um, it is available for rent on YouTube and Google if you're interested. Okay. Yeah, yeah this one was, I was excited by the premise because it's about this writer that moves into a castle and he's trying to get like pretty much write down the story of the history of this castle and what happened here. And it's very slow. Like it's really well acted, I thought. Yes, very well acted. The acting is very good. But like the story just plods very plods along at a very snail's pace, and I just started losing interest here and there. Like, I at first I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm enjoying this," and then it just like just kept losing focus on it. It so was it's... like a ghost story. I felt like, okay, I am going to give a graphic comparison. So if anyone is offended by this, it's like having sex and you think you're going to climax and you don't. That's what this movie reminded me of. It's like one drawn out bang session with no good ending. Like it's I just, love it. I love it. <laughs> it's like, that's totally what this movie was. Like I was kind of like, I had, it's gonna, it's gonna, no. Okay. Now. Okay. Now, now. All right. Like it feels good, but like, are we going to get to the point where the good stuff happens? No. Okay. Okay. No. Now, now I'm just getting sore and tired and hungry like yeah, it this was, movie leaves you blue balls like it was just like well not even blue balls you're just at the end of me you're like Mama. and I, i'm glad i watched it because i thought it looked mint uh from the trailer i did watch the trailer yep. because i'm watching trailers now because it's just easier with getting up in higher watches and i thought ah, oh, it's a screener no harm no foul <sighs> yeah it just wasn't for me Nope. This wasn't like, for me. And if it wasn't for you, then I I don't know who it's going to be for. <laughs> right. Like, at first I was like, yeah, I think this is going to be up my alley because it's got, like, the castle setting. I love this. And uh, the story, like, I love the whole writer going to a haunted place or a place mm. with history and doing a story. And then it just, it was, it was, a, it was fine. It was there. Like, it's just not for me. Like, I would it. recommend watching it unless you really, like, being cock teased for 90 yeah. 87 minutes um i, I don't know no, don't watch it i can't no. even. no we're too far now no don't watch this movie it's okay you're not missing much unless you yeah no no no, no this is one we just yeah pass on no but just pass speaking of cock tease, we'll talk about the next movie now this movie you should not pass on no this movie is something that you should check out even you tim davis from uh, horror for dummies uh, you may actually even want to go out and find out where this is available. So this movie is called The Special. And it is it is lower budget. It's a 94-minute runtime. And this movie is fucking body horror at its best. Like, Videodrome level body horror, only better, in my opinion. Like, better, better practical effects now. 
Oh, okay. I was gonna say, whoa. <laughs> like Videodrome was great for its time with body horror. Like if you remade body horror with Videodrome now in 2000s and use practical effects, you could do so much more. Yeah. Right. Because we have more advanced in technology. This movie reminded me of, you know, Videodrome in the sense that they used practical effects and they used them so fucking well. There's just one scene where they fucking nail it. And if that's where they put all their money into for that motherfucking practical effect, it was mint. And just so we're clear, I'm not saying that it's better than Videodrome. I'm just using that as a comparison of that movie showed what you could do practically back in the 80s. I think this movie with that scene is showing what is possible to do practically now in 2000s. Yep. And and this this does... have a Cronenberg feel to it through very much because it is very sexual very sexual because it is what this movie is really about is this guy uh having a fight with his girlfriend and or his wife yep and his friend takes him to a place where to this uh brothel where he's he can get the quote-unquote special and the special is basically just a box with a hole in it and you know laughing he's like okay I'll do it well this covers Apparently, this box is very special because it ends up talking about addiction in yes. a very real way. Very and, real way. It is the best description I've seen of addiction. Like, I felt like, uh, what was that movie that came out that was very artsy? Oh, uh, Bliss? Yes. I felt like this did it better than Bliss. And yeah. the acting is fucking raw. Like, it's obvious that these are newer actors. But the main character's fucking decline is so authentic. It really is. And it's it's just a movie that you don't see coming. Do I think it's going to be on top <laughs> <See> 10? <coming. laughs> I don't know if it's going to be somebody's top 10. But I, I this is a horror film. And the practical effects that you get in the third act in a particular scene, make this movie worth the watch. If you like practical effects and you want to see some good 2020 fucking practical effects and no CGI shit, there's no CGI shit in this movie at all. It's yeah. all practical. And it is worth it for that alone. Yep. A hundred percent agree. Like this is lower budget done right. Um, and just be warned though, this movie is very weird. Yes. Like, like if you wa- if you're watching it and someone walks in watching it or someone walks in with while you're watching it, you may feel a little dirty like someone caught you watching porn because it's very uh, weird or excited. Yeah, or excited. Like my room, uh, my roommate Tim was. Uh, he seen me start it up and he's like, "Well, this sounds strange." I'm like, "Yep, I'm I'm not sure what I'm getting into, but we'll find out." And then he leaves, but he's hearing it because he's just down the hall. And it's just like, what the fuck are you watching out there? <laughs> it is so like, yeah, I, I really fucking enjoyed this film. And, yeah. um, you know, I think that it, as I said, if you're a fan of practical effects, you get to that third act and you're going to be very, very pleased. Yep. Um, and people that I've recommended it to so far have enjoyed it. So it is available on Google movies or Google play, YouTube, Hoopla and Microsoft score. If you're interested. Yeah, this was a high recommend for me. And speaking of high recommends and body horror. Man. All right. Let's talk about one of my, uh, one that I've been looking forward to for so long. And the delivery was well, or the wait was well worth the delivery. 
and that is Brandon Cronenberg's uh, sophomore effort, Possessor from 2020. Wow. Yeah. I feel like we built up. We kind of started with some like, man, man, like our list here is like, man, they're okay. These last two films, watch them. Yes. Right? Like, I, I think you, these films are worth your viewing time. Yeah, because you can see that uh, with Brandon Cronenberg, he is definitely taking after his father and his footsteps with the way his filmmaking is done, the kind of stories he tells. Because he also did one called Antiviral a couple years back. And that was a very good, hard look at how far someone would go being obsessed with a celebrity by injecting themselves with a disease that the celebrity has because they're such huge fans. Wow. And it's it's real, it's raw, and it's got body horror in that as well. And so seeing him come seeing that, then knowing this movie is coming out, I was like, Yes, I need to see this. And it's pretty much about an uh, a futuristic style assassin that is uh able to hop into other people's bodies. And unfortunately at one point one body she hops into, she is having a hard time getting out of. And that's it's a very conf- like it's a very crazy plot when you like it's yes. simple explaining it, but watching it, it's freaking crazy what happens in it. Now, where we had the special, which was low budget practical effects. So the practical effects that I was praising in that had a lot to do with the fact that you can tell this movie doesn't have a lot of money behind it. So when you see a practical effect, like and you would see in that third act, you're like, wow, I didn't think you were going to do that movie because that's not what you presented up to this point. Right. Processor, you can tell, had a lot of money. Okay. Like they went in with a budget. It was filmed in, all in Toronto and it made no uh, <laughs> disguise about not being in Toronto. It was nope. very, very much Toronto. And it was very clear that there was some good financial backing. Being, you know, Cronenberg, are we surprised? No. Right. Um, very, very high quality body horror and special effects. Uh, probably for high budget best body horror I've seen this year yeah um and I don't know I think if he continues down this road he's going to definitely have a solid career in directing and creating sci-fi body horror sexual movies that are just fucking amazing yeah, uh, this movie is fucking amazing <laughs> yeah like this one like just shot right up into my top 10 like it is like way up there and it's gonna keep going up because it just i think about it more and more and it just it's just better in my head and i do recommend if you are looking for this look for possessor uncut because it, it has a red cover instead of the it's like the exact same cover as the other one but it's red instead of yellow so if you're looking for it get the unrated version because this has got some very vicious violent scenes in it and i i just gotta say like the thing about the cronenberg family in general i love their stories because they do something that is not really expected in the horror genre and that is like adding these different elements of like different genres. So like, this is kind of like a sci-fi spy slash assassin movie, but throw it Absolutely. in. Absolutely. And it's the, I was, I had something that you were going to say about the sci-fi. They're not afraid to go places. 
No. And I feel like his son is modernizing his dad's view. Yes, exactly. I think his movies represent 2020. And uh, I don't care if people like this or not. I know I talked about this movie already today. I love to see him remake Videodrome. Yeah, I would... Like, if anyone was going to remake any of Cronenberg's films, I would love to see his son be the one to tackle that. Or is it Scanners? Yep. Yes, Scanners. Because I, like, besides that exploding head scene in that movie, I do not care for that film. I appreciate what it did. It's just not for something I like. If we were to remake Videodrome, you cannot use a videotape, obviously. Um, So there would have to be some diversion to it which is why he probably hasn't done it yet because it's very hard to modernize that whole concept of videodrome yeah um and yet again i'm not saying that it has to be modernized but if there was somebody that could do it it would definitely be him oh absolutely 100 uh, agree i think with his sophomore effort you know i think he has a long way to go but i think he's setting the stage for somebody that could be a real head turner um, and yeah. be up there when people talk about Artie Aster and, and Jordan Peele. Like, I think he yeah. could be up there in the directors as well. So no, I think he's already up there now, at least in my eyes. Uh, my eyes too, but I think some people may not be there yet. This movie, though, do not miss this 2020 this year. Uh, it's rare that I will say that. Usually I'll say, oh, maybe you'll like this, maybe you won't. Or yeah, you should go watch this. Do not miss this movie this year. You, yeah. will, you will be on the loss if you do not watch this movie. Uh, uncut, fucking amazing. Check it out. You can find it on Amazon, Google Play, Voodoo, uh, Fango Now, and Redbox. Yep, this is one that uh, was... One that I really looked forward to all year, and I was just happy with like the outcome. Like this is just mm-hmm. made me smile. Like the whole. I had nightmares about it. Did you really? Yeah. Wow. It says is... something, right? Yeah, I say that says a lot. Right. But yeah, this is definitely the Friday Nightmares Gold Star approval rating from this movie. <laughs> Absolutely, I think there's just some movies that you need to watch in 2020, yep. and this is one of them. Like, you will regret not watching this movie. It's it's that fucking good. And check it out. Because um, yeah, I, I see this being on many people's top ten. And it should be. Yeah. Like, it should be. It's a fucking good film. It should be. Um, it's like, there's some movies that come out every year and you're just like, yeah, this is a good film. Yep. Even if you didn't love it, even if for some reason you didn't connect with it, that's fine. It's a good fucking movie. So, you know, I can understand why people praise it. I, I personally don't care people top 10 anyway. You could like fucking Shark Attack 18 for all I care as your top number one movie of the year. It doesn't really matter to me. Right. I got bigger things in my life to worry about. But, um, <laughs> you know, I think if we look at a filmmaking perspective and what it's doing for the genre, absolutely this movie should be should be viewed. But we've blown it enough. We'll move on to our older films. Yeah, my so throat's like, getting a little dry from the blowing. All this blowing. Um, I'm going to throw one more in here that... So there's just three that I'm going to talk about. First one is fear.com. Oh, yeah. 2002. <laughs> oh, man. Have you seen fear.com? Nope. This is what I'm going to watch. At oh, some point. my God. It's so fucking 2000s. Like, it's like, internet is bad. Bad things are going to happen on the internet. <laughs> on the internet, you're going to be bad. Like, it was basically the synopsis of this movie. So basically, there's this website that you go to and, uh, you know, if you watch the videos on it where it's actual snuff videos, basically this guy's kidnapping people and killing them, then 
you run the risk of being like stuff happens to you right it's kind of like a little bit of japanese folklore mixed with internet is bad mixed with whatever um i think when it came out in 2002 it probably had more of an impact uh you know yeah i believe so you know now you can see so much shit on the internet that like you're like no no whatever <laughs> like right. films every day <laughs> but it was it was it was fine i watched it on tubi and uh you know i always enjoy these like early internet warning movies that are like the internet's evil like i just always find those really fucking funny so if you if you are like me and you like hearing about how the internet is evil in 2000s check out this movie uh you can find it on tubi which is free as well as amazon prime voodoo and uh i don't think thing don't now but just watch it on tubi tubi's free yeah. i don't know why you support just... support the hell out of tubi yeah like tubi's there next one is stir of echoes from 1999 oh uh, yes exploding heads covered this one this year and that's where the famous you can't say that came from oh that's right right uh i i liked it it was good it was a good little ghost story i kind of i didn't fully remember what had happened when i listened to it so it was kind of still a surprise for me i i enjoyed it it was it was easy to sit through you know people get their comeuppance who you want them to get their comeuppance um kevin bacon's great in it you know, it's one of his better movies. And you can find it on Amazon Prime, Crave, um, Hoopla, and Tubi as well. And finally, I watched The Eye. Yay! Uh, is this the remake or the original? The American bastardized remake. Uh, oh, bastardized. I'm just kidding. I'm, it wasn't <laughs> that bad. So Jessica Elba. Oh, that's right. She started this. Right? <laughs> is in this movie and she's such a shitty actress oh she is like i get that she was really pretty you know i'm sure she still is really pretty um good looking lady i get why she was in movies but oh dear god she was so bad but the story's you know basically this woman is blind and she's given an eye transplant parker posey's in it oh no shit yeah she plays her sister i love parker posey yeah um but yeah it's it's you know what it's fine um basically she gets these eyes and she sees through the donors and she can predict death so it's a little bit final destination-y a little bit ghost story and yeah it's it's on tubi if you like ghost stories and you like seeing japanese or american remakes of japanese films you can check it out uh so as i said tubi prime video google play amazon and here in canada we have it on cineplex oh okay i wouldn't rent it i would just go to tubi and watch it and sit through the commercials it's it's worth uh just hanging out on there to watch it go through nice yeah i've never actually seen the remake never seen the original like i'll have to we'll have to go through the originals at one point and then kind of compare them with the remakes at some point as well it'll be fun absolutely uh but you know as always with me I stay with a theme when we go to these movies. Yeah, you you go balls in. I do. Balls deep. Balls deep, no condom on. <laughs> no condom on. Raw dogging this shit. Raw dogging. <laughs> um, but we didn't bring up our topic this, this episode, but like, if you've been following along, this is our final uh, part to our found footage like uh, coverage, and we are doing mockumentaries. So I decided to find some older mockumentaries. Here he goes, Heather, with these weird... 
Good Lord. Oh. Scott, I wish you'd be more professional. And just <laughs> just go with the show, okay? You are such a, such a shithead. I am. I am a <laughs> shithead. But I'm your shithead. You are. And I love you for it. But yeah, I, as I was talking, she just kind of appeared on screen with these big old goofy eyes just staring at me. <laughs> She's trying to basically distract me. And she did a wonderful job. <laughs> I try. Um, but yeah, I, so I decided to look for some older mockumentaries that were from the found footage genre. And I ended up coming across uh, three that I had not seen. One is uh, Willow Creek from 2013, which was directed and i think written by bobcat goldthwaite which really was surprising to me uh but it is a uh found footage where this couple ends up going out into the woods to find the legend of bigfoot you know it's typical bigfoot style story um and it ends up taking a lot of like uh ideas from the Blair Witch where it's interviewing townsfolk about the stories of what they've heard and this and that and trying to like pinpoint the location of where Bigfoot may or may not have been spotted. Then they end up going there and camping out. Leading up to it, very well done movie. But that third act was so annoying because it ended up just being the two people in pitch darkness in their tent freaking out to grunting and growling outside and thrashing about and you're literally just watching them going oh my god it's getting closer what was that oh my god and that was that was it really no payoff at all like the it it just left me wanting more basically but like for like for it was a decent movie like it wasn't uh anything i would just say oh i need you need to go watch this i know there's a lot of people that love it but for me it just didn't work um However, one that did uh, one that did work, and uh, Darren Wilson, I know you listen. Uh, if you have not covered this on your show, the Psycho Semantic Podcast, I highly recommend this one. And that is the Conspiracy from 2012, and this is basically about uh, these two guys that are doing a documentary about conspiracy theorists, and they end up interviewing someone that has this like big old history with conspiracies and like doing a lot of research. Like, he's literally the full-blown conspiracy theorist nut where he's got, like, wall full of, like, all these articles and things. And he's got, like, little needles or, like, little thumbtacks attached to each thing with strings leading to one event, leading to another event, leading to another event. Like, it's the total full-blown cuckoo nut conspiracy theorist. Well, something ends up happening to him in the middle of them doing their documentary. Like, they leave and they come back and he's just missing. So they try doing some investigating and can't figure out whatever happened to him so they end up taking all of his information that he had on this cult that he kept talking about and so they took this information and they start finding out that there's a lot of people in higher power that are involved with this cult so they start digging deeper and deeper and deeper and infiltrate the cult and find ways into it and when they do bad things happen but the way this plays out plays out exactly like a documentary except for where something shitty really happens to these people at the end. But I really recommend this one. This one was very intriguing from beginning to end. Like, very well done film. Um, and then uh, the last one that I ended up watching was Found Footage 3D on Shutter, And this was another one that I uh, was just unsure of just because the name Found Footage 3D just sounded kind of lame. Well, what... <laughs> I like your honesty. 
was that? I like your honesty. Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, you gotta admit, that's a very bland title. <laughs> it is a pretty bland title. Uh, but it makes sense watching the movie because they are literally documenting, uh, they're doing a documentary of a behind the scenes of a making of a found footage movie, which is the first found footage movie to be put into 3D. Hence the name found footage 3D. And like while they're doing the stuff they're like, you know, oh, we're going to go find this uh, empty location and pretend that there was a story attached to this house and that'll cause the whole thing to unfold. And they make fun of all the tropes of found footage. And like they'll even talk about, all right, we need a reason why the protagonist is actually going to be filming every single thing. We, well, what is the reasoning? What is the reasoning? And you hear the director going, oh, no one gives a shit about that. The audience is too dumb. They don't care. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then, yeah, it's kind of funny because it's just making fun of all that shit and showing you how easy it is for filmmakers to do a found footage movie. But then at the same time, real supernatural shit starts happening to the crew while they're filming and all that stuff and really good pretty freaking violent like probably one of the more violent films i'd seen in a while from a found footage genre <laughs> sorry cat what is scott's cats just walked by him and stuck his tail right up in his fucking face <laughs> i'm so used to it <laughs> You, oh my god <laughs> if there is found footage of you it'd just be you and fucking cats like <laughs> cats walking behind you cats climbing on your shoulder <laughs> cats sticking their tails up your nose cats everywhere well like i said or like i did i shared that meme on our page about uh vincent price holding like four or five cats and i'm like this is what Heather sees when we're on Zoom. It's not an exaggeration, people. It is the fucking <laughs> truth of what I see with him and these fucking cats. Oh, my God. Uh, I like cats, but holy shit. Anyway. Oh, and, and you can tell I'm so used to it because I didn't even bat an eye. When he no, just, and like there was like, I almost thought I was going to go up your nose into your <laughs> fucking mouth. And you're just like, no, 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 no. It's so ridiculous. Who rules the world? Cats. Who runs Scott's world? Cats. The pussy controls me. He still keeps coming back for more. Which one is that? Is it Biff? Yeah, it's Biff. Oh, my God. And you keep picking him up and moving him, and he's like, oh, no, you fucking didn't. I've run this fucking bitch, Scott. See, now I'm just holding him, and he just doesn't care. Yeah, he does care. He looks at me like, look, lady, you think I don't know? I will remember this betrayal. Like, you had to bring it up, and now he's paying attention to me. Oh my god, now you're holding him and you look like you're about to sacrifice him. <laughs> Alright, put the pussy down. Put the pussy help. down. I gotta pet the pussy. Yeah, I gotta, yeah. <laughs> so, is there anything else you want to say about the found footage 3D? <laughs> <laughs> no, other it's on Shutter and uh, highly recommend it. Okay. <laughs> Good. We are, uh, we are just all over the place tonight. <laughs> professional podcasters scott and i are that's right when you yes. think of professional podcast you for sure think of us absolutely yes, <laughs> right up there so we're going to break it into what we've been listening to and my podcast is better than scott's podcast i feel like he chose Ooh. his podcast because i was going to talk about his podcast next and he just wanted to show up my podcast like well i figured it was a compliment to each other because uh these two 
are they have they have a history together. I feel like we brought sticker books to school and you brought in like I told you I was going to go buy some new scratch and sniff stickers and you went and bought the same scratch and sniff sniff stickers stickers. <laughs> That's what I feel like is going on right now. So anyway, the podcast I was copying I, your homework. You totally did, but you changed it just a little bit. But either way, they're both better podcasts than ours. So right. <laughs> if you want to actually listen to a professional podcast, I recommend Psychosomatic Podcast with Darren Wilson. Wilson? Yep. And I believe his wife is on with him sometimes. Vanessa? I believe so, yeah. Right? And he has other rotating guests. One of my favorite episodes I've listened to is the one that he was with Bo. And I talked about this one already, but they cover the hunt and they also covered the election and both and him talked about their opinions on American society. And I was getting like all fucking fired up listening to it. I was like, yeah! Yeah! Like I was like walking and like like yeah you speak the truth (laughs) well you got so fired up you brought it onto our show and like talked about politics (laughs) well and i that was only when i listened to half of it i hadn't even listened to the entire oh okay right and this podcast is is for people who want to be challenged with their ideals and their beliefs darren is an extremely intelligent individual and he is so well spoken and so knowledgeable about politics life happenings um movies in general and he has an incredible ability to connect political events social events back to movies yes he does. and him vanessa Bo, and other guests that he's had on and i've been listening to some episodes i haven't listened to all of them yet just have this ability to dissect information. So if you want to be challenged and you want a podcast where you'll actually learn things, not about how I think a, a cat's tail is going up Scott's nose <laughs> and how I like to drink and party. Like if you actually want to like learn information about society and movies and how things come together, you need to listen to this podcast. It is available on the Legion podcast network. And I've, I believe they're also on iTunes. Yep. And one of the best informative podcasts out there. Uh, Darren has always said kind things about us. And I feel like I am just learning to be like him. Um, I'm looking at going on the show with him and Bo. And I even told Scott that he's just finding that out now. Um, And look at his face. (laughs) That's right, Scott. Now you got to go on your podcast so we can be like feuding. Um, But I'm really looking forward to having a political debate with the three of them. Now, mind you, we all kind of see things the same. So it'll just be us telling everyone else they're wrong. But I'm down with that, too. Um, Very, very good podcast. Please check it out. Covers a variety of movies, not just horror. Everything all over over cinema. And uh, it's worth a listen. Yeah, I will back you up on this 100%. Because, yeah, I love Darren and his show, you know, so freaking much. Um, and it's actually kind of funny because I was keeping it quiet too, but, uh, him and I have been talking and I just got to pick out a movie, but I, we are planning on having me on as a guest as well. At some point. He's only doing that because he asked me first. Probably it. Yeah. He probably feels bad for me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't tell me you were going on Darren's show. Nope. I was keeping it quiet. Can't believe you didn't tell me. Yeah. But you get jealous every time you find out that I'm going on another show and then you're like, you don't like me. Now I can't go. <laughs> oh, <laughs> You're, but, uh, still, you're still jealous that I got to go on Exploding Heads for the ladies of February. I know. I, I mean, look at these boobs. I could have been a lady. 
what the hell? Well, you could identify as a lady. That is right? something that could be the case, right? But you Bullshit. don't. So <laughs> you definitely identify as a smoke show. Um, it's his own. Anyway. It's his own uh, gender smoke show. Yeah, you could actually. Yeah, actually, that would. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. That right? is absolutely okay. But uh, I do want to say one thing. I'll give a shout out to our boss and a shout out to Psychosmantic Podcast. Um, check out the Hail Satan episode because Darren ends up having uh, Jerry Herring on to talk about Satanism and they talk about the documentary and then the politics with Satanism and everything. And it's amazing, mm, amazing episode. Like, cause you know, Jerry, he's got a lot of knowledge on Satanism and they say, uh, and like, yeah, very good. Highly recommend it. Well, he also has a lot to say. Yeah, he does. Um, but I will jump into the uh, podcast that I'm going to talk about. And the reason we're joking back and forth about like copying her homework is cause this is another, uh, had big guy, big show on the Legion Podcast Network. I have been listening to them since uh, very first episode, and that is Cinema Psyops. And why I say there's a connection between Psychosomatic Podcast and Cinema Psyops is because Darren is also known for turning uh, Court and Matt into different uh, photoshopped images based on their episodes. And like, I know Court's been on Psychosomatic Podcast. And I believe Darren's also been on Cinema Psyops before. Uh, but Cinema Psyops is just, yeah, Court Psyop and Matt Psyop. They will cover one movie and they go literally scene by scene playing clips from the movie and just talking about it and making jokes and like being knowledgeable, but also making fun of the movie at the same time. And then they'll also do uh, Psyop News at the end, which is usually news from around the world of really ridiculous, stupid things that happen, like a uh, guy getting a, uh, a dildo shoved up his ass and having to have it surgically removed. Oh and, my God. Like, and they'll just, uh, and they'll steal clips or they'll take clips because they'll have guests on every so often too. And if there's something just completely taken out of context, court will snip it out and then use it as a sound bite later on. <laughs> That's really then, funny. So now Dave Z is on there. Uh, and if they talk about like horse fucking or something like that, you'll hear Dave Z just pop on and go, it's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, they're really funny. They're great. They're knowledgeable. Um, right now, I believe like they're on their 275th episode was released, which I think 276 will be released by the time this comes out, but they've not missed a single week uh, since they started. And, uh, they are doing Franchise Fest right now, which they are covering the Sleepaway Camp trilogy. Court says trilogy because he says, forget watching Sleepaway Camp for I am not paying $80 to watch this horrible movie. <laughs> so they're just covering all three episodes or all three movies in this episode, and they are doing a fantastic job. And yep, highly recommend them. They are on the Legion podcast. They can be found on iTunes. They can find on all the different podcast catchers out there. Awesome. 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 Well, yes, definitely check out these two much more professional <laughs> together podcasts than ours. <laughs> and have been around a long time. Both of these, both of these podcasts have been going for quite some time. And I, and I think they just, I think also they just, as much as I joke around, I really have a lot of respect and admiration for, for both of the, for both Quartz and, and Darren and now Quartz brothers, Matt, right? Uh, they're not brothers. They're just best oh, friends, and they I use. They were this, brothers. 
nope they they're friends like they met at like i think they were like met at a job somewhere and became really close friends and court was just like hey you like horror films and guys matt's like yeah i like horror films i've only seen like certain ones and court's going all right time to make you watch a bunch of stuff and really screw your brain up well i guess that tells you how close i think they are because i thought they were related so oh, they they because they, they they bounce off of each other so freaking much and it's yeah hilarious. they're just very very smooth um so yeah please check them out they're awesome yeah i recommend from both of us all righty so we're gonna take a brief break and hear from one of our podcasting friends so after these messages we'll be right back hello hello who is this who are you trying to reach i don't know oh, i think you've got the wrong number do i i'm gonna hang up wait don't hang up what's that noise popcorn you're making popcorn uh-huh i only eat popcorn when i listen to podcasts i'm about to listen to a podcast the podcast on Haunted Hill. Is that the one with the two guys with the beards? Uh, yeah, Dan and Gav. Dan and Gav, yeah. That podcast was scary, I liked it. Most episodes they look at two different horror movies. Each episode they look at a world of a strange, where they look at weird things from around the world. Sometimes they even do special episodes where they look at different genres or directors' discographies and talk about them. Do you have a boyfriend? Maybe. Well, you can go to legionpodcast.com, Facebook, Twitter, or just go into iTunes and search for the podcast on Haunted Hill. So, are you going to ask me out? Welcome back to our, fi- our t- main topic of our podcast. <laughs> Can't get this out tonight. Uh, <laughs> we're going to be doing our third installment of the found footage um, genre i guess you could say we're going to be talking about mockumentaries mockumentary my dear watson (laughs) mockumentary uh which i didn't even know was a uh was a subgenre until we kind of started looking into this found footage thing a little bit more yeah like i i didn't know like how many of these how many movies were considered uh mockumentaries like the only ones i thought of was like Lake Mungo and uh, What We Do in the Shadows. And I was like, yeah, yes. those are mockumentaries. And I didn't realize like how many there actually are. Yeah, and and how, like they're in every uh, part of, of cinema, not just horror, but we decided to capture obviously in horror. So there's a little article I found. Everything you need to know about mockumentaries in five minutes uh, by Eric Lors. It was written on May 4th. 2018 and reality may the fourth be with you for all our star wars Uh, fans uh, uh. reality can take on many forms but this isn't one of them which i think is a fun little thing that he kind of like put after everything you need to know um about mockumentaries in five minutes in that quote reality can take on many forms but this isn't one of them i think that's a really cool um statement actually to be honest with you so he, I'm going to read some of his article here. So how could actual found footage and missing people be terrorized by something sinister off screen, being terrorized by something sinister off screen, be allowed to be played in theaters and bring in hundreds of millions of dollars easily? The found footage wasn't real, of course. And the mockumentary form acquires a new label, found footage. 
typically applied to horror films to take on a non-fiction style of shooting to tell their story. All truths are not created equal. In the case of difficult to categorize films identified such as mockumentaries, all truths are false, which is so true, like like Mango, which we'll get into talking about. Yep. Um, encompassing a style long associated with the work of nonfiction, handheld camera work, um, jarring abrupt edits, fly on the wall scenarios, and the breaking of the fourth wall. Remember when I called it the third wall? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I still, I I still think we should use third wall. Maybe what was that, like episode two or something yeah, like that? Yeah, you're like, I think it's the fourth wall. Now you'd be like, Heather's fucking fourth wall. <laughs> <laughs> we were so polite to each other back then. No, now we're all like, go fuck yourself. Um, <laughs> mockumentaries are often hilarious due to the execution of the form. And how could something this absurd be real? I think that's a really good statement actually and describes a lot of mockumentaries as we're going to get into yeah mockumentaries take many forms and genre has persisted due to creative possibilities and lack of rules it offers its makers the bbc report on spaghetti noodles being grown from trees was presented as real nudes podcast sasha baracona's borat took a man on the street approach to yeah forms by interacting with confused and unaware non-actors um, what we do in the shadows uses the genre to bring com- comedic element to the mundanity of vampires' daily lives, which we'll be talking about in this episode as well. I can't wait. <laughs> yes, I, I believe that's one of your favorite films, isn't it? Yep, one of my all-time favorite horror comedies. That's awesome. Although frequently associated with the films of Christopher Guest, Waiting for the Guff, Best in the Show, and the hit sitcom The Office, which is a mockumentary, uh, the genre doesn't require its narrative to be comedic. It was at the 99 Sundance Festival across multiplexes nationwide the following summer where the indie horror The Blair Witch Project, Scott's nemesis, shocked Mm -hmm. audiences for serving as a legitimate documentary of three friends who disappeared in the woods of uh, is it Burkesville? uh burkittsville burkittsville maryland the film was seen as evidence providing clues to their whereabouts and tragic fate mockumentaries will persist into the future and hopefully they come to they will continue to confront facts with fury what a fun little article man i really yeah, i really like nice. how it sets the stage for mockumentaries because they are fun and yeah. um and some of them are done so well that you think they could be an actual documentary. Yeah, there are some that I watched like that I had like a one that I almost wanted to bring up, but like it was just gonna be a heavy, heavy subject would have been the Poughkeepsie tapes. I almost wanted to bring that one in as one of our main topics because that was one that I was telling you about where I yeah, literally I thought it was real. You had a hard time with that one. I remember you telling me about it. Yeah, like that one just felt almost too real like the way it all port- was portrayed yeah we'll have to look at a way to bring yet again we can you and i make topics like they're going out of style 95 yeah. percent of the time i'm sure we can find a way to you know talk about shit if we need to but let's jump into this first one here lots of mixed opinions on this one i believe oh yeah and you want me to jump in and take over for the movies oh i sure fucking do oh you know i can't be the one doing all the heavy work here scott oh come on heather jeez you give and take in this relationship i just want to take 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 (laughs) you so don't actually it's totally not you at all actually (laughs) i can pretend (laughs) you pretend absolutely 
All right. So yes, like Heather was alluding to, this one is very divided. Um, well, I'd say almost a lot of people do not like this one, but uh, this is Diary of the Dead from 2007, which is an American found footage horror film written and directed by George Romero. Although independently produced, it was distributed theatrically by Dimension Films and was released in cinemas on February 15th, 2008 and on DVD by the Weinstein Company in Genius Entertainment on May 20, 2008. Diary of the Dead is the fifth installment in the Romero's Night of the Living Dead series of zombie films. It is not a direct sequel to previous films in the series, but occurs within the same universe of the original four-part series, according to Romero. Uh, So the synopsis is, the dead are returning to life to feast on the flesh of the living. As civilization dissolves in this nightmarish scenario, a group of college students travel across Pennsylvania in hopes of finding refuge at their friend's secluded mansion. Film student Jason tapes their journey and the movie is presented as his footage. So this is one of those films that I bought it immediately when it came out on DVD. Oh, did you? Yep. Because I was like, oh, I love the Dead series. It was like right after Land of the Dead. And I had fun with that film. And Mm -hmm. I was kind of like, oh, I'm kind of curious to what George Romero will do with like the found footage mockumentary style. Uh, And this one has some serious issues. (laughs) Do tell, Scott. Do tell. Well, one thing that I've always complained about in found footage is the excuse for why they are still filming. (laughs) <laughs> and the this guy, and this is brought up over and over, and, and it's so pretentious. Oh, it! Oh is. my God, is it ever pretentious? Like the part that annoys me the most is his damn girlfriend. She narrates the whole thing because she's the one that ends up putting it all together, like because yeah. of what happens to him. But like she says constantly, if it's not on camera, then it isn't really happening, right? She says it so many times throughout the film. And his excuse is always just like, I need to film this to show the world, to show the world. I need to film this. Who the fuck are you going to show? Internet's down. Everything else is down. Who's going to see this besides your friends? Make you making a home video. But then there is internet when they go to the army. So, okay, they're, they're filming a horror movie. Shit starts to happen. They start getting the news coverage shit. They, they see it on their phones or whatever it is. Some people piece, they, they get creeped out. They get into a camper. They're driving. They run into those cop zombies at first right they're on the road in the camper yep and they run into like a whole bunch of zombies they have a whole bunch of shit happen to them and then they get they find those military dudes my actually my favorite i'm kind of jumping around a little bit here but is the um the amish gentleman i was i was i was wondering if you were going to bring that up he was really sweet and he was the only character i honestly felt bad for when he died yeah like and he was in it for 50 seconds (laughs) yeah I'll say like and and you could I just loved how he took care of like the zombies too like when he's just when he shows up and they're just like oh and he's pointing behind them and he just lights a stick of dynamite and just throws it at the zombies right <laughs> like, I forgot that they took the person that's bitten who gets bitten oh no sh- uh, talking but about the hospital the- it was yeah if she wasn't bitten what happened was uh, it was the girl that was driving the RV that runs over a bunch of the zombies when it first happens right she's traumatized thinking and like she shoots herself right yeah yes, she shoots herself yes. in the head thinking that she was just killing people yes and, and then the, right oh, and i was saying oh, the ahead. romero zombie films you know you don't have to be bitten to turn you can just die and return 
Yes. So they take her to the hospital. The hospital's all abandoned. They run into it. Kind of felt like a video game. Did you yes. not feel like it was a video game when like the fucking nurse and the fucking doctor are like, eh. oh, it <laughs> absolutely like, did. <laughs> Which I got it. I'm going to jump in and say this right now. Uh, someone asked George Romero on his thoughts of the Dawn of the Dead remake which came out in 2002. And he said, it felt too much like a video game to me. And then he makes this movie. <laughs> and I don't think he realized, because he probably figured those zombies were so quick. Yes. Right? That's why. And I think he, I don't hate this film. I'm going to make something very clear. I don't think it's a great documentary film. I think it hilarious that it's considered that when we looked it up online. Yeah. Uh, it's considered a mockumentary. It's because obviously the main character is it Jason. Yep. Jason decides that he wants to keep filming even when they go to the gentleman that is Amish who dies, which is really sad. Um, the fucking southern chick that fixes the car <laughs> is a mechanic and like an all around like badass chick. Um, uh, and like what you say, don't mess with Texas. Yeah, she's she's you know she is endearing though. I gotta say she is a little bit endearing. Yeah. Um, you know, I get when they, then they fall, run into the first set of army guys and the real ones that are part yep. of the national guard and stuff. And there there's internet there. So somehow they refine internet there. And his argument to her is he says to her, when she's like, why do you keep filming everything? He said, because we can educate other people to why, how to kill them. Like we can share this knowledge with that. I kind of bought into I could buy into that now internet's all of a sudden working again or is working here. Like it's that, that's the shitty writing, right? Yeah. Is somehow cell towers are down, but somehow internet's continuing at this bunker and they can let people know how to kill the dead that are coming back. I can kind of swallow that. I can kind of go, okay, that's a noble enough cause that you want to share this information with other people. But clearly he was this aspire horror movie director who you, you kind of get this idea that he's in it till at the end because he wants to die a martyr, but you're also wondering if he just wants to die for the fame, even though there isn't any fame because fucking life as we know it is destroyed. But Yeah, it's a real fucking doozy of a convoluted documentary. <laughs> yeah, and the character of Jason is just so unlikable, like you were saying. The cause makes sense, but he is such an unlikable character, like showing no emotion when they go to his girlfriend's parents' house, and she's like, all right, just drop me off, and you know, I'll stay here and wait for and Yeah, he was going to leave her. Yeah, and he was like- going to leave her, and, uh, his, and their friend was just like, dude what the fuck okay i'm gonna go with her then and yeah and like every time like a zombie or something attacked he just goes hey look out wouldn't actually try stopping the zombie or putting the camera down he just has to film it and just go oh watch out behind you <laughs> like come on like i don't find well, that believable and, at all and it was purposely written that this guy's sole purpose was to record no matter what that he is a director to the end he is a filmmaker to the end and whatever he needs to do to get the actual product. So you're right. Like she has to basically fight off her parents on her own accord and her little brother. And then they're anyway, they leave there and they're robbed. And then they make it to their buddy's house. Who's like fucking loaded. 
Yep. And he's acting all strange. He's acting all strange. And you go to the pool and you see everyone in the pool. Like she refers to it as like a gold, like what did she call it? A pond or something like that. And yeah. Like, all the zombies and you're still not quite sure how they're sunken at the bottom, how he managed to make that happen. Like it's, I, I think now we're talking about more plot issues. I think if we look yeah. at the mockumentary, it's the idea that this guy is filming no matter what, and he's trying to capture people's real life experiences. So when he's interviewing them on the bus and he's asking where they're going and what they're getting them to share their stories, he's trying to convey that real emotion. When the girl from Texas is getting attacked by the zombie and he's not doing anything he's just filming it and then her like her shirt gets ripped open and uh, like there's that joke from earlier like you just want to see my boobs or whatever yes and yes then it happens then it happens you know i can kind of appreciate that what the what the aim of the film was to say no matter what this person's going to keep recording he believes it's in the betterment of society or it's holding on that you think there's a society left you know we could argue that jason was in denial thinking that you know this video was somehow going to have an impact and somehow going to make a difference now we've seen this done with another movie um it was a 2020 film i can't remember i think it was called a simulate where yes at the end they're able to connect with other survivors across the world and talk about how they've made it and share information so it has been done before but i think or it has been done better now i should say later on I think the concept was there. It was just the execution was just not yeah. well done. Yeah, I completely agree. Like, I just, like, for a mockumentary style, like, for the ones that we have in this topic, this is definitely the weakest of all of them. And it's such a, like, rinky-dink mockumentary, right? Like, for it to even be considered that, it's because the guy keeps just saying that he's making a mockumentary, basically a documentary. Right. Like, like, he's like, it's a documentary. So people are like, I guess it's a mockumentary, because he keeps saying that he's doing that as he's Yeah, exactly. Right. And, like, I do uh, like the social commentary behind this, where it is basically, like, you know, you can't trust the news sources because of what they cut out and sh- what they will show you. So this is why he was doing it, just to show everybody. Yes what was really happening which once again it was also doctored because you see him editing it <laughs> in the uh, right um, and and you could argue Army the base. bay does this too which we're going to get to in a little bit but does it better yes you know absolutely. like i think that this was just you know they called it a mockumentary and we watched it because i was like oh like it's a mockumentary i've never seen this and you're like yeah we can try it i'm watching a while and, and yeah it's a very loosey-goosey mockumentary yeah. i um I think it's an interesting title to give this. And uh, I think, you know, bigger and better mockumentaries have been made, which we'll get into for our next film. Yep, absolutely. Which we'll jump into right now, which is Lake Mungo, a 2008 Australian psychological horror film written and directed by Joel Anderson and starring Talia Zuckard and Martin Sharp. It employs mockumentary style storytelling with found footage and docufiction elements using actors in place of interviewees to present the narrative of a family trying to come to terms with the drowning death of their daughter and the potentially supernatural events they experience after her death. The synopsis goes as Alice drowns Alice drowns while swimming and her family begins experiencing inexplicable events in their home. The family hires a parapsychologist whose investigation unveils Alice's secret double life and leads them all to Lake Mungo. 
Now, we brought up this one in our What We Watched segment a mm-hmm. couple of episodes ago, and we're just blown away because this one, if I remember correctly, unsettled you, didn't it? Oh, it did. I really fucking love this movie. I think this is one of, I think this is the mockumentary golden child. Yes. Like, to me, I don't, I have yet to see a mockumentary that honestly comes close to touching how well this was done. Yep. This one, um, I would compare with Poughkeepsie Tapes, the way it is done. Really? Okay. Yes. Um, But yeah, I completely agree, because this literally felt like I was watching a documentary on TV, like on the History Channel or something like that, where it's like, you know, real life people dealing with this situation and the stories behind it and the footage they show and the reenactment stuff that they show. Like, this is exactly what a mock in my head what a mockumentary is and it feels like a documentary like it starts off and you know they're talking about the situation what happened they're doing interviews with people they have the brother and it talks about how he set up video cameras around the house to record what seems to be alice's ghost it turns out it was doctored the reason he did that was so the body would be digged up because he felt like there was more to the murders than was was led to believe like fuck is it good right and and of course you find out about her sexual encounter with the man that she used to babysit the kids for. Yes, that's fine. Right. Um, um was it this consensual? So, um I believe it was. Okay. But it was one of those like kind of like consensual situations where she just felt horrible afterwards. Yeah, and like he's old anyway, so I think don't think he could And it was really like a weird threesome with his wife. Yeah, like it was some kind of weird sexual shit that they did. Um and then like just the interviewing how it goes and um she finding the tape and then burying it at the camp and running into that bloated version the drowned version of herself that she sees yeah like the found footage stuff that you find like it is just it feels like you're watching an actual documentary and the acting that so to kind of just present yourself as a character that has experienced this traumatic event and then you're communicating it to a camera as in you're reliving and telling a story it is just so absolutely haunting for someone to have that ability as an actor to make you believe that this is actually happening at this given time yes um but yeah i completely agree like this legit feels real like even the story, like the story they present is very believable of something that could happen. And the way that they did this filming, like with the documentary, like like with a documentary we watched with uh, Al Adamson, like how they just kind of like start off with like his life and progress with like, yeah. you know, his career and then slowly progress into everything else that was going on behind the scenes and then to the finale. Like the way they did this just felt like that, like, you know, the first appearance like first thing that happened was her disappearance and then the find out about the like supernatural shit going on that you find out was a hoax and what do then, you think about her finding her doppelganger walking along the show shore and encountering a ghostly like corpus of a doppelganger of herself uh i feel that was a a premonition almost like a premonition but honestly that was like the only part that almost took me out a little bit of the movie yeah i felt like it was weird to put that in there um because i felt like it would start to, to go down the realm of sci-fi yes a little bit and that's 
you know, and maybe someone who's seen the movie more could explain it better to us. But I just, I really preferred when they were just doing the interviews and going back and showing the photos, the doctored photos and the doctored video capes of what Matthew had done um, leading to the search, leading to the, you know, reassuming of Alice's body. Yeah, but looking um, at old photos and seeing her image in the background and like things like that, like the ghostly images. Yeah, well that you see at the end when you realize she was in almost every single fucking scene. Yeah. Or the image was in every single scene, which just gives you the willies. Like, ooh, it just made a chill go up my spine just thinking about it. Um, like, I, I, I agree. I think that was the only part for me that I didn't fully get, but I do love the buildup to it and how, like, the documentaries following them as they're finding this stuff out. It's like the first 48 hours, how, yes. like, they're finding out shit as it goes. Like, it's just so real. And yeah, it's that's that's what I was saying. Like that's why it felt like a true documentary. Mm-hmm. Like uh, when you had me watch this, I was literally asking myself, "Is this real?" Like that's how good it is. Yeah, and that's like how I was saying about Keeps the Apes too. I'm like, "Is this real? Did this really happen?" And I and I just feel like so when they get to the end and they kind of come to this understanding, they move out of the house and they realize that they've kind of had this closure with Alice. And then you go back through the credits and you, and as the credits go, you, you realize in all these other scenes, her image or her ghost was there. Yep. Like what a fucking touch to it. Yeah, you know, it was, like the razzle dazzle. <laughs> and it was so, that. And it was so subtly done. Right. Like she, her image wasn't just like right there in the center. It was just a little off in the corner somewhere. Like, that they had to zoom into and you could see it but like you, you just briefly looked at it you would have missed it and you know the hiring of the you know the psychologist or the paranormal psychologist and the digging into it and the discussion of grief which you could argue that this movie is a lot about discussion of grief and the process of grieving and yeah, it goes through the uh all the five stages of grief like and like denial. really focuses on denial with the mother yeah yep oh and and like thinking that it's not really her daughter and yep. that you know, it has to be somebody else and then hoping that these sightings are real and all these other things. Like it's, it's just, it's, it's, you know, for the runtime that it is, I want to just double check the runtime here. It's an 89 minute runtime. It really doesn't overstay its welcome at all. No. And the, and and I'll never get past the acting of the characters of, of the parents, of the brother, of everyone giving the interviews. No. And just the realism, like Blair Witch tried to do it with their interviews, and those are good. Like, don't get me wrong, when they go into the city or the town and they do those interviews, they're pretty good. You know, you yeah. get you get some authenticity from them, but you still know it's a movie. Lake Mongo, you're like, are these fucking actors? Are these people actually living this? And that's the difference. Yeah, because it almost felt like these actors watched other documentaries similar to what the story was about mm-hmm. and how because mm-hmm. even just the way they talked they yes just so calm but nervous in front of the camera and f- just like like it was kinda, real like it was yeah. real like watching any fucking documentary yeah like i the only time i was taken out of it was just that doppelganger, the doppelganger scene. Scene. else i was just like i i could swear this is real like i could swear seeing this on tv somewhere so do you think the doppelganger scene was put in there because it was an idea of you predicting your death or the doppelganger replaced her or do you, do you think there was more of the doppelganger 
or do you think it was just a an image I you know, think a, it was a prediction just... like perhaps she was psychic and she's she was able to bring her image to life yeah I think it was just more kind of like a premonition image that like she had like some type of link to the other world at somehow like it's it's kind of hard to explain like I don't really know what the purpose yeah. of bringing that into the story was I don't think we'll ever know and maybe there's someone listening that has a much better idea than we do um and maybe can help for Scott as well who says it took him out of it I don't know if it took me out of it I was just confused I was just like did this really happen because everything in the documentary up to that point is just so explainable yeah and even after that like it's just that one scene for me like everything else is just felt real authentic like this could have happened and then that I'm just going it kind of feels like the movie trope thing to do yeah you're right but i you know though they do show the images of the ghosts and depending what uh side of the fence you live on you may not think that's actually a thing that you can right see ghosts or whatever um but yeah i think that this is this is a prime example of what a good found footage mockumentary is i feel very confident in saying i haven't seen something that touches it yet now mind you i've seen all mockumentaries but I, I put this definitely on a pedestal. Uh, yeah. If you want to see a good mockumentary and you like, I think you got to like documentaries too, to be honest with you. Like, I think you kind of have to really enjoy the format of documentaries if you're going to like this movie. Yeah, this movie you really worth do. worth watch. Yeah, because if I would have watched this when it first came out, I probably would not have been into it. But yeah. over the years, I'd started like really digging into documentaries more. And yeah. this like, this was like the perfect time for me to sit down and watch this one and films like Poughkeepsie tapes and things like that, where it just feels real. And when movies can portray or pull emotion from you, you know, that's the point of film is to make us connect to something. And I think this movie just goes above and beyond getting us to connect with the family. And even the, you know, as I call it the razzle dazzle, but the razzle dazzle at the end, um, of having that that image and then if you look back in the movie the images are still there it's great it's so fucking well done so for anyone that's listening check this out if you haven't had a chance to watch it uh but i do advise that you do need to enjoy documentaries yep absolutely 100 agree anyway to get into it you really do because this would be too slow for someone that's not into it because it's very plotting, but that's because of the way it's filmed. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, 100% this movie needs to be seen, especially if you're a fan of this genre. Absolutely. Uh, The next one uh, we will talk about is The Bay from Mm -hmm. 2012, which is an American found footage horror film directed by Barry Levinson and written by Michael Wallach. It stars Nancy Luca, Christopher Denham, Frank Deal, and Kristen Connolly and premiered at the 2012... Toronto International Film Festival, TIFF. TIFF. (laughs) It was released in theaters on November 2nd, 2012. The residents of a seaside Maryland community become the unfortunate hosts of mutant waterborne parasites that take control of their minds and bodies. Uh, So this is definitely one of those films that, once again, I could see happening in a way. This takes some um, liberties. Yeah, I I think the only thing is it is a little um, 
It is a little cheesy at parts. Yeah, it's got the definite horror movie staple to it. Like, this... like it doesn't have the authenticity that Lake Mongo does. No. Um, you know it's a movie. <laughs> You're not like, ah, oh, this is really happening. Because when you have the found footage of the reporter, I believe it's Donna. Is it Donna? Uh, yes. Being at the fair events that you see happening on July 4th you know it's very much a small town America or what we think of anyway as small town America I don't know was it small town America Scott oh that's very small town okay. I mean they were they were I forget what the heck holiday they were celebrating it was July 4th was it okay yeah, it was, yeah, it was just yeah. a, they just were going all out for it with like Uncle Sam parades and shit like that. Isn't that what happens? Like I'm not I'm not being facetious. I'm actually no. asking you. Uh, at least not in the areas that I've been to. I've never been to a Fourth of July party or parade or anything like that. Okay. Like, the most I've ever seen is cookouts and uh, fireworks. Well, this is in Maryland, so I don't know. Maybe Maryland. That's what they guys. Everyone yeah. goes hard. And it is a it is a water community. There'd be a lot of swimming and fireworks down at the dock. So maybe in that case, it's it is a full day event because you have the pie eating contest, or is it the hot dog eating contest? Yeah, whatever it is that they're doing. Um, so basically, how the movie starts off, like it's it's the reporter telling the story of what had happened and being concerned about the government knowing but she wants to show the world what actually occurred and let the truth be known about the events which is so like x-filey without being oh, really x-filey is. isn't it like the truth is out there <laughs> well and even the plot is very x-filey <laughs> right um yeah i like i like the whole like oh vomit and collapse while they're eating crab it's a crab eating contest that's what oh it is. that's what it was okay. right and which makes sense with them being like from the fucking water and then you have that couple that's coming across the bay with the baby and they yep. don't know and what's going on but yeah like um this one like the one like unbelievable part that took me out of it when it comes to like documentary style was how everyone that like it seemed to be like almost everyone got infected at the exact same time like, and they all started showing signs at the same time, like when they're at the carnival, like one lady starts screaming because all of a sudden her skin's starting to boil. And then all of a sudden you see everybody start puking at the freaking crab eating contest. It's like, these are parasites that would have entered your body at one way or another. I don't think it would have been like, okay, all one simultaneously happened. It would have been like, yeah, and then they're all capturing into different areas because you got to remember there's also that pool scene. We're in the pool. And they start getting sick too. The little girl gets sick. Yep. And she has shit on her. And where was she getting all this footage from? Was did she say at the beginning that this was found footage that she had gathered? Because she yeah, has her was, footage that the cameraman does. Yeah, yeah. I think it was footage that was submitted for uh, viewing from the doctors and all that stuff. Okay, okay. So that's what it was, and she was able to get it. Yep, and able to get it and kind of piece it together. Okay, so that's so that I found it a little. Makes sense for a mockumentary. Makes sense that they would be taking apart these these pieces of footages. And it's 2012. I can I can give that. Um, but I don't think you know. And I'm putting Lake Mongo such on this high like pedestal. But like I think when I look at how smooth Lake Mongo was, I think this one just had a little bit of ribbits in it. Um, but I did enjoy the characters in this. I did feel for that family that was coming across the bay, even though they must have been coming from like, I don't know fucking the atlantic ocean to get right, there because it took a long um, time for them to get there took a long time but you did have this sense of dread 
Yeah, because they're in the water. Because where... they had a baby. Yeah, they were they were on this boat with a baby in the water where these parasites live. Right, and you know Stephanie's mom tries to talk her out of coming, but she's coming anyway. And then you have the two girls that are facetiming each other, and they're worried about what's happening and she's worried about what's happening to her and then they're at the hospital and everybody is sick and the doctors are calling i think it's who is it yep yeah and world health organization and they're kind of like well you're kind of fucked like because basically is the, is the message that they get back like that so was part i'm oh, sorry um no, go ahead that was the part i enjoyed though like a lot about this film mm -hmm. was the doctor communicating with who and like who going okay what are the symptoms okay i'm seeing this okay blah blah, blah. And, like you just hear them passing back this scientific medical information back and forth trying to pinpoint what exactly could be causing this and i really liked that because that's where it did feel realistic like absolutely there's an epidemic that's happening and no one knows why and you start piecing together why it's happening with like you know the person not uh like dumping the sewage into the water and all that crap that created these cephal these cephalopods to grow larger yes yes which also this movie made me look into cephalopods and like find youtube videos and yeah these fuckers are real and do exactly this they lodge themselves inside of fish's throats and will control the fish to get them to where they need to be to survive and so it's like yeah if there's a mutated version that could get inside of a human like that could I could see that happening. Absolutely. And the chaos is realistic, right? Them yeah. basically the WHO washing their, you know, World Health Organization washing their hands of it, as much as we don't like to think that would happen. We've seen it in quarantine and wreck, you know, um, of just being like, Well, <laughs> you're fucked. There goes you guys. Um you know, and, and eventually the doctor does get infected and he sends a final broadcast and shows that everyone in the hospital is dead and he talks about tracing it back. I think he's the one that puts it back together and then he kills himself or or dies from infection. Um, and it's, it's interesting. So the kid is killed off. Then you have the whole situation with the police responding to a call and they go into the house and all you hear is the... The, the radio yeah yeah and what's happening of stop stop and the and i believe one of the cops kills himself yep right that goes into the house yeah because uh i think one shoots the other inside the house and That's then the right. one that ends up uh because the other one was like doing something like starting to act crazy so he shot yeah. him and then like i think it was the sergeant and someone else were pulling up because no one had heard from those cops in a while and when they pulled up they seen the one cop that was left just kind of stumble out, shoot the sheriff, and then shoot himself in the head. That's right. Yeah. But yeah, like uh, this one, like like the documentary style, it has, I would say this is like the kind of like the perfect blend of uh, movie mm -hmm. with realistic documentary. Yeah. And it even shows like the mayor doing their speech at the beginning and he gets killed or she gets killed later on. Um, and yeah. You're right. I think it, it kind of flashes back and forth between the newscasters trying to get to the truth of what's happening, some personal stories that are going on of people coming across the, the water. But yet again, we have situations where I buy the newscaster continuously filming. Yes. 
there was I don't a reason buy for that. that family coming over there and still fucking filming when they're running through the town. Yeah, I didn't like, even I, think about that, but yeah, like, you are right. You know, and and they're like, oh, we gotta we gotta capture this. This is so weird. How could this be happening? But it's like that constant throwaway line that you talked about already. Yeah. It's like this whole, well, we gotta we gotta make sure it's on tape. And maybe that is true. You know, maybe there are out people out there that would keep filming, and no matter what, they would keep doing that. I just don't know if it would be in this specific situation. Like you're gonna film I, the whole way across the fucking water, like it's just water. Right, like, and you're gonna just drain your phone or like camera battery. Like, there's no way to really plug it in. I'm sure on a yeah. boat, and then you get over there, and you're just gonna film, even though you're seeing dead bodies everywhere. And yeah, like the know. FaceTime stuff with the little girl, I can buy that. She's FaceTime yeah. her friend. She's really scared. She's in the hospital. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes that is like perfect. The doctor on the Zoom call or whatever Skype call he's on, that makes sense. You're using all these different forms of video recording. But then it doesn't really say how Donna managed to be the one that got all the footage. Like, how did she go back and get all of this? Right. They never did explain all that. Right. So I, yet again, what I like about this movie is I think that it does a very good job of talking about realistically how a mayor would only care about fucking profits. Yep. And then eventually gets his comeuppance and gets killed in a car accident. Yep. Because he is definitely like the, uh, the Jaws mayor in this movie. Right. Um, just wants the profit, doesn't care about the environment and what it's doing. When you see the researchers, the exactly. When you see the researchers out on the boat and you see them collecting the, the specimen and seeing how it works, I get why they would be recording that. That yeah. totally makes sense to me. And you're yeah, they need to make a record. Right, they need to make a record. They would want to share that information. And you're flashing through all these different videos, right? So the the added the the footage has all come together to basically tell a story of what happened. I don't believe that Donna had the skill set to do all that. That's the only part that loses it for me. Right. I and that's where it becomes a mockumentary, right? Is that she's created all this information and now it's flowing to tell a story. Yep, and she and she even brings up how she was an amateur newscaster, like that was like one yeah. of her first days, right? Which kind of, yeah, it's a good movie, very yeah. accurate to what would happen if there was an outbreak. Yep, like to a T. I think that there is no argument of that. Is it the best mockumentary out there? I think it's better than Diary of the Dead. Oh, def- definitely, right? uh, about a thousand times better. Um, I think that there's certain parts of it that really make sense on how it's filmed. I think the presentation is decent enough, but I do think the acting in it is painful at times. And I don't know if it's as smooth as something, and this could be because I'm just going back to Lake Mongo, but I, I don't know if it's as smooth as a mockumentary as it could be. It feels like it's just film footage. I don't know why it's no, fine it, in this mockumentary. No, it is literally... Area. It is, you're right. It is literally found footage with some documentary style pieces mixed in. Yes. And, but this one also, like I said, it feels more like when you're watching it, you know you're watching a movie. Where you're watching like Mungo or Poughkeepsie tapes, you think you're watching a documentary. Yeah. This yeah. feels like you're watching a movie, which takes you out of it being believable. Absolutely. No, that's a really good point. And then we have our next one. Yep, which takes the mockumentary found, uh, not even found footage, but mockumentary footage in a more <laughs> reality TV show style <laughs> with 
What We Do in the Shadows, a 2014 New Zealand mockumentary horror comedy written and directed by Jermaine Clement and Taika Watiti, and the first installment in the What We Do in the Shadows franchise. Well, I guess it would be considered a franchise because now there is two seasons of it on TV, and they do have a sequel coming out that's, or don't know if it's coming out, but that was planned that was going to be following the werewolves, and it was oh, going to be nice. called... And I love the title because it was going to be called Werewolves. <laughs> so I just, uh, we, but we'll get into this movie because it's just great. But uh, the film also stars Jermaine Clement and Taika Waititi as uh, Jermaine Clement is Vladislav, Taika Waititi is uh, Viago, and along with uh, Jonathan Brew, Ben Fransham, Corey Gonzalez, McCour, Stu Rutherford, and Jackie Van Beek. The film's plot concerns several vampires who live together in a flat in Wellington. <laughs> uh, it premiered at the Sundance Film Festival in January 2014 and was released theatrically on 18th of August 2014 by Madman Entertainment and received critical acclaim. The film earned $6.29 million on a $1.6 million budget. Pretty freaking impressive. Yeah, I'm going to let you talk about this one first. All right, well, yep, this is one everybody's got to know about this movie at this point but what we do in the shadows is basically about vampire housemates who try to live with the mun or try to cope with living a very mundane life and are having it filmed in a reality tv show style format where they are doing like personal interviews with each of the vampires and like just kind of follow them around when they do their day-to-day -day chores and <laughs> whatnot but my god this is one of those movies that every time I watch it, I laugh harder and harder and harder just because the comedic timing is like, it's almost kind of dry humor, like British humor, but like, <laughs> it's like Mighty Monty Python. Yes. It reminds me so much of Monty Python. Um, but like the thing that's uh, like, if, obviously we got to talk about the mockumentary style. Like this does legit feel like you're watching a reality TV show if vampires were real. Oh my God. It like how it starts off is it starts off um, filming them as he wakes up. What's the name? Which one is uh, it? Viago? Uh, Viago. Viago. And he <laughs> sits up for the coffin and then he like, I guess, stops halfway and has to like <laughs> just to get up. And, and you and you see him awkwardly looking at the camera and, yep. and talking about starting his day. Like it totally sets the stage and it, and at the beginning they say you know that the vampires gave these reporters or these recorders um safety or like promises of not harming them and they were equipped with you know basically like, crosses or whatever it was holy water if needed yeah, keep them safe <laughs> to keep them safe and you know they're they're filming them and they're kind of introducing to the and he's like walking around and and kind of introducing him to the other vampires and he goes to um, Vladis, is it? Uh, that was a Vlad. Are you thinking Diego in the closet or Vladislav in the room? Vladislav's in the room with all the women. Yeah, upside down. <laughs> right, and he like opens it and like <laughs> he's like, ah, what time is it? Like it's just really, really funny. Or oh, before that, when he goes and he peeks out the window, is like this is the scariest part of a bed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what time is it? All right, it is dark. Like it's just so well done, and I just love. Um, Who's the 8,000-year-old vampire now? Oh, Peter. 
Peter, is Peter coming to the meeting? Peter is 8,000 years old. Peter will not be coming to the meeting. And I love that. I love that how he's just waking him up like, all right, we need to go to the, we need to have a house meeting, house meeting. I know. And he's very much like, they they write in Wikipedia that he's a dandy from like, 300 and I, you know what dandy means right so yeah. like you know it's it's just a really funny way that it's filmed and like so they're doing the big intro they go back and forth between showing them at the table talking about the chores who did the dishes last and, yeah, and then going to the interviews with them talking about that and, <laughs> and then the one interview with i'm gonna call him vlad but when he was like you know i used to torture people and stuff i was in a really dark place and i didn't like myself and i was like it's just and it gets into these like emotional conversations and they go back to talk about how they became vampires uh the story behind them what they what they were doing when it happened like the whole story of peter biting diago like it's it's so funny and they're kind of like sitting there awkwardly on the chair having the conversation and they talk about how they're not able to see each other in the mirror um which speaking of the mirror though that is one thing i do gotta bring up okay for this being a mockumentary would they've actually been able to be filmed um i thought that too like that's the only like the only thing when it comes to this. It's like I mean, obviously it's a comedy, so it's not going to. But a take mirror realism. would be reflection. A film is like seeing something through a lens. True. Right. So true. so I don't know if that would be you know what you're not supposed to think that deep about what we do in the shadow. <laughs> right. But like <laughs> it's I a valid point that you're making. But I really enjoy the filming going back and forth between these interviews, and it's always about they're talking about what's happening, right? So if something happens in the home that's of interest they go back and they talk about it and like when they bring those people home and the one guy is a deacon that eventually becomes um, no nick yeah it's nick deacon is the one that like is constantly fighting with nick after right right deacon's the other one so then nick becomes like they bring nick and that chick and they give them the like spaghetti bolognese would you like some baschetti (laughs) We're just gonna make jokes and quote this movie the entire time. It's so like, funny. I can't help it. Like I mean, because like you even get like the fun interviews with like uh, the familiar, uh, the uh, yep, uh, Deacon's yeah. familiar, and like yeah. how like he's just using her just to be his slave, basically, and was never actually intending to turn her into a vampire. And the and how it's a documentary. Like that scene is filmed so well. They're at a pub or wherever they're supposed to be, and she's she's doing a list of what he would want, and then she goes, "Are we gonna have that conversation?" And he's like, "Be gone." And she's like, "Okay, bye." Like, it's it's just they do such a great job of capturing the moment doing an interview to talk about it, going back to the moment and capturing it, reflecting on it in the interviews. And that's what a good documentary is actually, right? right? So if you see actual documentaries and you're following people who live a certain lifestyle, they witness an interaction and then you analyze it, yep. right? So you have that interview analyzing conversation with them. And it's it's just really fucking clever and parts where Peter is killed. And they're there for that very intimate moment where Peter catches on fire because of the sunlight, because the vampire hunter broke in. And their reactions are very legit and they demand like shut off the camera. You know, we don't want to like, it's, it's very humbling. Yeah. Like uh, very humbling and like uh, showing the raw emotion and what kind of brings out the infighting. Cause Nick is the one that accidentally 
brings the vampire hunter there by going around like you see him on the documentary going around telling everybody like, I'm a vampire. vampire. And the best part is that they're filming him from afar, right? So some of the yeah. scenes where he's like at the bar and shooting the shit and telling people he's a vampire, it's all filmed. And that was the really clever thing about the filling here in the mockumentary is that you had parts where it was the interview, the close-up viewing of the interactions, and almost like the hidden interaction where the yeah. fa- camera crew is filming, but the people that are being filmed aren't aware. This is right yeah. up there with mockumentaries with Lake Mongo to me. These yeah. two are the golden the golden tickets, the golden child, whatever you want to call them, they are the best of the mockumentary films. These yep, two do it incredibly well. I completely agree with you because, yeah, this one does it with a charm. It doesn't mm-hmm. do it with realistic, try to be realistic. It does it with entertaining you, but, you know, sticking to that style of footage. And like the I, one thing I, I will add, though, is it does do it realistically if it was a reality TV show. Yes, you said I was just about earlier, to say that. It, it absolutely follows what a reality TV show would look like with vampires. Yep. It absolutely, when you watch that, you're like, fuck yeah, that's what it would look like. And yeah, that's is, what makes it so fucking good. Is yeah, that this, it is. That's what you would see. Yep, because this is like keeping up with the Kardashians, but with absolutely. vampires. Only better. Yeah, Way better. better. Way better. <laughs> Like, like, yeah, it's it's that style of filmmaking where, like, you know, they'll bring in a new character and then all of a sudden that character will get a personal interview. Then you see them interacting and, like, everything that's happening. Then you'll see the buildup of the drama between mm-hmm. certain characters mm-hmm. and the fights that'll break out and the yes. emotion that happens. Absolutely. Like, it plays out, like, exactly like a reality reality TV show, which is why I think it also fit perfectly into becoming a TV series. And that's where you see the legend of it, right? Like you see this movie and everyone talks about this. People talk about Lake Mondo too. And people have talked about the Bay. Like I've, Exploding Heads did a great review of the Bay, but they looked more into the plot and, and stuff of it. We're talking about it from you know a mockumentary standpoint. And when you're going to do a mockumentary, you either need to go the way of Lake Mongo, where it's so good that you don't know. Yeah. Like you know, but you you could almost not know. That is right. that is fake. Blair Witch did that pretty well too when it came out. I yeah. think it's just been so recycled that format now that you don't buy into it as much, um, and maybe that's a problem. You know, that's yeah. what you know. Diary of the Dead and and the Bay and uh, Cloverfield and other ones are trying to do is they were trying to recreate that magic that Blair Witch had, and I don't think anyone can create that magic again. No. Like we had our cherries popped by the Blair Witch. Yeah, exactly. Like once you have your cherry popped, there's just no going back and having that again. Right. So, but I think where where what we do in the shadows and like Mondo did things so differently is that they made it more realistic and they made it relatable and they made it believable. They yes. made it believable in how it was filmed, the interactions that would occur, the you know for what we do in the shadows, the distance filming is what really got me is when they would film conversations with the idea that the characters didn't know they were being filmed. That is so reality TV show, mockumentary, documentary style. Like you watch anything on fucking history and like the dig for gold Island or whatever the hell this fucking series is called or they keep gold or whatever it is. It's the same kind of concept or any like those reality car shows or whatever. It's the same fucking concept. And you know, it, it's just delivered so well here. So it really is the shadows where it's at. And I was going to say it also one thing too, is 
that the those two movies, Doc, like Mungo and What We Do in the Shadows, do exactly what we were talking about, where they have their reasoning for filmmaking nonstop, mm-hmm. and or for being filmed nonstop, and even to the point where uh, when the cameramen get caught up with the vampires when they end up running into the werewolves in transformation and one of the cameramen gets killed like you see him like even like he's the one that was like you know filming for a bit and then he you put the camera down you could just see like the grass because he was running yeah but like you know even he he was being human and human and panicking and then you see him drop the camera and get drug off yeah like so it shows like you know even in a human like being human like that and give it into your panic you won't continue to film absolutely is... absolutely you're 100 right there scott and so yeah that but yeah i i could go on and on and on and on about quoting what we do in the shadows like uh you know eating a why you would prefer to have a virgin woman instead of a uh uh one that's had sex because it's just like eating a sandwich you'd much rather know that the sandwich wasn't fucked before you ate it <laughs> It's funny. It's a funny movie. The dark bidding on the internet was probably my favorite. Oh, yeah. um, bidding for a table was pretty fucking funny. Um, it's a clever. It's a clever film. But I feel like Lake Mongo, and this film, and and what we do in the shadows are in one category. And I actually feel our next two, and our final two, are in another. I do not put them on par, but I do think that they did the whole. I'm a filmmaker making a documentary really well. And I'll let you talk about introducing the first one. Yes, because this, this one coming up, um, I will say it's done so realistically <laughs> in a lot of ways that, in fact, it was real for about 60% of the film because it got turned into a real documentary. Some of this footage got used in a real documentary, which I'll get to. Uh, but the movie we're talking about is The Houses That October Built a 2014 American found footage horror film and the directorial debut of Bobby Rowe. It was produced by Zach Andrews and Steven Schneider. Rowe and Andrews both star in the film alongside Brandy Schaefer, Mikey Rowe, and Jeff Larson. The film's plot follows five friends who set out on road trip in search of a haunted house, search of haunted house attractions and find themselves targeted by a mysterious and disturbed group called the Blue Skeleton. Filming for the house October built a partially took place at several haunted house attractions, which Roe would later include in a list of America's scariest haunted houses that he released as marketing material for the film. The film was given a limited theatrical release on October 10th, 2014, and was released to home video on January 6, 2015, which I remember seeing that the America's uh, scariest haunted houses. So that was actual real footage. That's kind of where I was bringing that up. I thought that was really cool. I didn't know that. That's where they actually used it. Okay, cool. Yeah. And so, so, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, so yeah, this is just kind of like uh, following a group of friends, kind of in that long, along the lines of a lot of found footage style horror, where you're following a group of friends, but they, you know, go into the documentary part where they'll start interviewing uh, uh, actors of these haunts and making, you know, asking for permission to film inside the haunts and stuff like that, which where I felt that felt realistic to me. I would agree with you. And I think even the setup to this felt more realistic. They have them all getting ready to go. They're talking about doing these haunts, whether they're nervous about it or not. They're traveling in an RV as well yeah. um, when they're kind of doing this adventure. And I I really think that it's, you know, they find out about the fact that, you know, most establishments don't do background checks. They utilize people that maybe have a blurred reality on whether 
this is real or not real in some cases um and perform performing dangerous stunts for this art of the scare and that goes back and forth throughout the film so yeah. it's like they they have them doing stuff and then they flash back to these interviews they go to a bunch of well-known haunts which you say are you know actual haunts that they go to and they have some creepy shit happen to them some people really try to scare them there's one guy that gets chased in a bunny fucking costume with an axe and yep. some other shit like that but i think what is really interesting is not just the blue skeleton crew stalking them and showing up at their rv and staring at them and doing all that fucking weird shit is when they go to the bar and they get confronted for filming in oh, the what, uh... house without permission Oh yeah, yeah, because I was at the bar and dad, like where the some of the patrons grab the camera and go yes. and uh, corner uh, Brandy. Yeah, in the bathroom, and there had been all this issue, and I and I think what that situation really did was it really captured the concerns when you're making a documentary such as this, and the privacy, right? Yeah. Like they had places where they went where they were told not to film, and they still filmed. Mm -hmm. And here they were in the situation with a bunch of locals and people have been drinking and you have people starting to act real tough and trying to intimidate. Um, and I think that that to me captures the realism of a mockumentary or a documentary is that yeah. there is going to be times when you're doing this kind of, I'm going to say guerrilla form of filming of a documentary, not the kind of clean and crisp file that we're seeing in what we do in the shadows or in uh, Lake Mongo, that you're going to run into people that are going to be fucking pissed and they're yeah. going to fucking harass you and they're going to fucking stalk you, which is really what the Blue Skeleton crew was doing, right? Was harassing them and stalking them and making them uncomfortable, which yeah, I like could buy. Yeah, and like there's even in a, uh, a scene before the bar where they were at a, a haunted attraction and they were told not to film and then they turned the camera on when they're inside. Well, that's why the bar the people at the bar pursued them because that was from that attraction, okay right? okay because i was gonna say yeah, they were clown... connected that's why okay yeah because i was gonna say because that clown confronted them outside that and was pissed off like and trying to fight them yeah because it was the idea that they're they're going to a bar near there right people are going to know it's going to be the same fucking people and you're going to have people pissed off that you're filming right so it started there it continued there okay i, I thought they were just two separate separate events i'm pretty sure they were connected i could be okay. wrong but i got a pretty yeah, i think you're right connection that they were connected because that's how they knew about the filming and was like what the fucking deal is with the camera you know why are you doing this and it was a small town like these haunts were in fucking fuck nowhere they weren't in right. like new york city these people are driving through wherever um yeah driving on like one lane roads and shit Exactly. So I do like the buildup. I do like how they talk about why they're doing this and the filming of it. I do like the, and I think what really made it for me different than the Bay is the interviews seemed more legit when they're yes. interviewing actors and they're like, yeah, they don't do any criminal reference checks. And yeah, like I've done this and that, like you actually think they're talking to people from haunted houses and they could have been like, there yeah. was footage there where you're like, this could be someone from an actual haunt. Um, and I could believe that they don't do criminal reference checks. I don't think that, and I'm pretty sure that doesn't happen here up in Ontario either. Right. I'm pretty sure these farmyard haunts just hire whoever. Now, do I think you're going to have your average psychopath running around that's going to go and fucking slice and dice people? No, well, fucking of course not. I think most people get criminal charges for drinking and driving, urinating. <laughs> right. 
like shit like that that i'm not or maybe they rob somebody when they were fucking 15 like that to me isn't something that i'm going to be overly concerned about going through a haunt um but yeah i completely it's, it's agree, a seed though. of doubt that's what that does right yeah yeah because like this one like uh it feels like a believable like like you're saying gorilla style documentary filmmaking because they are taking risks when they're filming there's one camera it's not like oh look at all this footage that i mass magically got together and put into one film right i did these interviews and i've cut it and edited off of the same footage i've interviewed these people these actors from these haunts or these people going to these haunts and i'm filming my experience with being confronted at the bar or being you know confronted by the blue skeleton crew or going into this haunt or our experience after i was talking on the bus it's all coming from one source which to me makes it more legit yep and makes it more real feeling as a mockumentary yep and another part that makes it feel real too is the fact that the director is also in front of the camera as one of the yes. one of the characters because if you're a director of a documentary more than likely you are going to be the one in front of the camera Absolutely. I think you're 100% right. That's a really like, good point, Scott. And so, yeah, I just think, uh, like, they did a lot in this one that made it feel like it's just a bit different than Lake Mungo and what we do in the Shadow style. It's more the gorilla style, which is, you know, something that a lot of the found footage genre does try to do more than the others. Yes. And But this one, I think, since they did real footage at Haunted Attractions, makes this more realistic. And the flash and, and coming from one media source, coming from one camera source, um how it's edited like i can buy that you're editing it yourself because in the sequel you know obviously we find out that they weren't really killed and buried like anyone that would think that at the end of that movie like it's obviously a fucking ploy it's extreme haunted houses but anyway um you know it's 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 not up there on the level of what we do in the shadows or lake mongo but if we look at what diary of the dead was trying to do and what the bay in my opinion was trying to do the houses at october belt just did it better Yep, they they made it more clear. They made it more concise. They made it a path so it flowed into each other. And I recommend watching this if you want to see Gorilla style, style mockumentary. It's well done. You know, and if you also like haunted houses and haunts and shit, it's even better because it's it's a lot of fun around the Halloween season. But yeah. that that is it being done well and how it should be done. Yep, a hundred percent agree. Like this one feels truly authentic. And we got one more. All right. So, you know, it was we always talk, but I'm just going to give it again. We're going to spoil movies. Uh, and this one is a 2020 film, so just be warned. But we're talking about M.O.M., Mother of Monsters. It's a 2020 mockumentary about a distraught mother who suspects that her teenage son is plotting a school shooting. But when he slips through the cracks of the system, she is forced to take matters into her own hands. After installing an elaborate spy camera system in their home, Abby captures a series of disturbing videos that confirm her worst fears. Uh, torn between a mother's unconditional love and a mother's acute intuition, Abby caters her videos to all the other mothers of monsters online. Abby's plan backfires when Jacob uses dark family secret against her, launching both mother and son on a terrifying and ultimately deadly game of cat and mouse. So this one, um, this one, I would say, feels very uncomfortably real. Because mm -hmm. this one, like, this is one of those, like, when we watched this originally, we were wondering, like, okay, 
is it the mother that's crazy? Is it the son that's crazy? What is going on? What is what are why is all this happening? Because the mother literally has been filming her son since she since he was a toddler and saving them uh, saving these as video files on her computer, documenting every little last thing, like to the point looking that she's, for problems. Yeah, she is like constantly looking and bringing up like things in her head that would be issues and being so paranoid that it's you can tell that it is rubbing off on her son and like her son obviously is just eight 16 year old asshole yeah he's one of those asshole kids that you he's he's a problem child he's gonna start fights get in trouble at school all the time Mm -hmm. do some malicious shit and part of that is due to rate the way he's been raised i can i would say mother uh nurture versus nature on this yeah, I agree with you, Scott. I think from a mockumentary standpoint, um, I think, actually, first of all, you've done a great job of synopsizing what happens in this movie. <laughs> like, it's exactly what goes down. Um, this is a little different than the houses that October built. I feel like the houses that October built still had a professional view to it. The person had a goal of creating that documentary, mockumentary, um, what, their, what their outcome was clear. I feel for this mother, she's keeping this information very methodically. Um, Her files are saved very methodically, and it's almost like she's trying to prove a case that a school shooting that hasn't happened yet was premeditated. Yes. And justifying the signs that she saw. And it's funny because on the second view... I really saw her in a much different light. Um, I don't, I, I think the filming of this the first time when you watch it favors her side of it. It does. It really does. It favors her view, which shows more that when someone's making a documentary or a mockumentary, it is favoring that person's perspective, yep. right? Because that's, like, that's, why they, that's why they do this. They want, they want their view to be the one that is seen. Exactly. As a very, very, I'm not even going to call this a gorilla. This is a homemade movie mockumentary. This is, this is an invasion of privacy. Like yes. We shouldn't, this is something that as a viewer, we should not be seeing. It is basically home movies that we are watching um, that is telling us a story through security cameras, camcorders, uh, hidden cameras, and zoom calls or sipes calls of this conversation and what i really appreciate about this film is she records a lot of stuff she sets up cameras in one room or another and then eventually she sets up cameras all around the house yep so everything is recorded uh with the exception of the washroom so that to me was very clever because it set a stage and it doesn't show her doing that right away you see that she's recording when she comes home because she's found some of some of her property destroyed. She thinks it was her son. I do believe it was her that did it. Um, yep, because you find out she has a very bad drinking problem, problem. And you see it throughout the video. Right, and you believe him on the second round when he accuses her of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it expands from there. Her concern expands. Of you know, he she shows him getting out of the car and walking towards his friends and how normal he is. So she feels the need, or she sees him walk by a gun store as well when she's following him. So then she puts security cameras up around the house. You know, she starts off with one in one room, but then it expands. Like 
to me, there's a gradual build as to why she is adding more and more cameras and documenting this. It makes sense. Yep, but Diary of the Dead paranoid. and the and the and the Bay did not do for me when it comes to mockumentary. It makes sense how all that footage or why they were filming. Like I got why right. that one guy, you know, the footage came from, but it was just so cheesy and dumb at times that it just didn't make any sense to me. The Bay was great for what was happening, but it didn't make sense how that footage came together for me. Right. This makes sense how the footage comes together. That police are shifting through this laptop, trying to figure out what happened because we could suspect that she has killed herself. Yep. Um, or she's crazy, not crazy. She's she's in a situation where her word is not being trusted because of what evidence they have found. Um, and they're trying to piece together what led to these events. Yep, and she has everything on this computer and just so many different files organized. And like, it's just, uh, like I was saying, this feels like an invasion of privacy. Like this is something that us as viewers should not be seeing because this child does not want to be filmed. And you're seeing like his most intimate moments of him like acting out and acting like a monster. You see her and her most intimate moments as well, where that is her downfall in the stories that, you know, she's trying to play this out like, you know, this is all her son, but her own filmmaking and obsession with capturing everything shows some of the stuff that is causing even some more of these issues herself. And you don't necessarily feel like her son is completely innocent. No. He definitely does things that are, you know, inappropriate and violent and him freaking out over his PlayStation being taken. Yep. He's... I, I, I could see with you constantly feeling like you have to caregive for your alcoholic mother, who's obviously mentally unstable, and then she takes away your PlayStation, and you fucking lose it because you're 16 years old, and you put up with this shit for so long. It, that must be exhausting. Yeah. Right. But the way he reacts is just kind of like almost everything is taking up to 11 when he like reacts. Yes. And and you question when things escalate and there is he he finds out that she's been recording him and believes that he is a sociopath, psychopath. He's hurt and he sets up a recordings of her and tries to get her to admit to things. You find out that she had a brother that was involved in murders and shit like that. And and you and this wouldn't that comes to the filmmaking, like he makes, you know, he locks her in a room, but he forced, like he sets up all these cameras around her to like, yep. and then also sets up a camera in his room so where they can communicate to each other. Yeah. And he tries to get her to admit to things and kind of convinces, like he has this Nazi fucking gas mask that he buys because she thinks that racism is one of the things of um, being a sociopath or psychopath. So he's playing it all up. It, it gets to a point where she self-harms, he yep. freaks out, she kills him, and he says a line that's really interesting, and, I, and I'm not going to say it, but I'm going to say if you watch this movie, listen to what he's saying when she's stabbing him. Listen very yeah. carefully to it, mm-hmm. because I think it really, you know, this is a movie that definitely on second time watch, you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Right? You're so, the... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... Yep. Anyway, um, the ending of that, and then you realize that he was just, you know, pissed, and he she finds another video of him being like, it's all over, like, I was just really mad, I can't believe you would do that. Basically, that he put on this production, which he's learned from her, Yeah, and there could be some mental illness here that's not being treated as well. Um, 
And yep. well, it, sorry, go ahead. There's even that, uh, like, I'm going to kind of go back a little bit, but there's that, you know, intimate conversation that she ends up having with uh, her old psychologist. Yes. She ends up, or therapist, she ends up sending him a bunch of the videos of her son. And like, he doesn't see anything wrong. But, and then he even goes to bring up, like, you know, when you and your brother were here, like, you did stuff like this too. And instantly, as soon as she heard that, she like hung up on him. Like, she didn't want right. to hear that because she didn't want it to be focused on her. Exactly. But, like, and it starts to show, like, the unraveling of, like, okay, who's really telling the truthful story here? It's exactly, exactly what it is here. Um, Sorry, and, I don't understand. you know, I really do feel like this kind of walked the line of, of who, of what can happen when mental illness is not identified. And, you know, possibly her son could have had some struggles. Some of it, I think I agree with you, was mostly nurture of yep. the environment. But when we look at a mockumentary standpoint, everything is filmed from, you know, her perspective at first switched over and the reactions to the camera when people do realize when they're being filmed, when they don't realize that they're being filmed is so legit. Yes. And that's what makes this a very good you know, home video mockumentary style because everything smooths so smoothly mm-hmm. and everything makes sense. And the moving around and clicking on the videos, like it was a well put together film. And this is if you want to do a mockumentary, we've talked about a couple of different examples today. Mother of Monsters is one to look at. The Houses That October Built is another one. What We Do in the Shadows. And then finally Lake Mongo are ones that you want to look at if you're looking at putting together a mockumentary style film and you want to choose one of those styles and do it well. Yep. Cause I was going to say, cause each one represents a different style of documentary. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And like this was uh, yeah, this is one of those surprise ones from 2020 that I'd not expect. Like when we watched it originally and I've been pouting this film over and over again since then and rewatching it just brings that point up again, that this is something that needs to be seen and has uh, rewatchability for the fact that there's things you pick up on a second watch. Absolutely. Not all movies are like that either. No. Um, but yeah, that is the end of our found footage topic of the mockumentaries. We have went through found footage in general, uh, social media found footage, and now the mockumentary. So that this has been a fun one, but I figured for our out of the dark segment, I would bring up a question for Heather and I to discuss and that is what are our thoughts on the found footage genre as a whole because when we first started this we even talked about how we were not the biggest fans of this genre and I'm just kind of curious to see like because we watched a lot of films during this time of the genre so I'm kind of curious just to see how everything like plays out for both of us like uh, and I'll give Heather a break because she's done a lot of talking right now so I'll do a little <laughs> bit myself um, but I'll start off and say you know, I hated found footage at first. I couldn't stand any film that did it. But honestly, uh, the more I'm watching, the more I love it. I still have my issues. The issues with the whole needing to, you need to find an excuse for why you are filming. And a lot of the low budget found footage films, like that found footage 3D movie, the director in that said it perfectly. Oh, we don't need an excuse. The audience is too dumb to really notice that. That is how I feel a lot of like the 
fast, easy to make found footage films still are. But the ones that are out there that are worth your while are just absolutely incredible and have such an impact. And I'm going to say, like, it has moved up pretty high on my list of one of my favorite genres. Awesome. I, um, I've i always been a fan of the social media and uh, found footage. I always liked Unfriended. Um, I've liked, uh, is it Friend Request? I like friend requests as well. I enjoy the app ones that aren't as much found footage. And I know that friend request isn't really found footage either. I just like social media shit, I guess is where, where that's coming from. So of course I liked hashtag follow me um, when that came out. And I, I enjoyed dead con as well. Yeah. Um, I think what changed for me really throughout this entire discussion was my appreciation for films like the Blair Witch Project. I think if there's any film that I went from not being able to physically finish and disliking so much to really having a lot of respect for the film and liking it more than I had in the past and really understanding its place in found footage history. That to me was the biggest transition throughout this. Um, I never thought I would ever say that about the Blair Witch Project, but I, I do believe it. Watching Lake Mongo was another film that stays with you Mm -hmm. um it haunts you long after it is done and to me that's powerful um and i also kind of learned about what i didn't like about found footage i don't like um the real cutting together of film that they just you know there's no real reason why i just somehow got this film and cut it all together the self-rightness righteousness of a director who wanted to keep filming no matter what um that stuff I find dumb and it, that's what disengages me. So I think now I've learned how to just pick my found footage better. Yeah. You know, pick the found footage that works for you. Yep. Exactly. Like there's, cause yeah, you pretty much hit it on the head with the way, like what I don't like. Uh, I also, the ones like I really loved this movie before, but now after watching like mockumentaries and talking about the ones that we did, it has fallen from its grace, and that, that saddens me. But it's uh, Adam's Green, dig, Adam Green's digging up the morrow because mm. that is a mockumentary. But like, I and I enjoy that. I, I can still enjoy it as a movie, but I will never be able to enjoy it as a mockumentary style because what he ended up doing in that was the biggest faux pas of found footage, and that is putting people in a film that are highly recognizable and having them not play themselves because he had ray wise as this crazy hermit that believed in these monsters but he was not ray wise he was someone else but yeah i get what you're saying ray wise, so it just completely takes you out of it like before i never cared but now that i look at him like and see what real mockumentaries are like he should have just had someone playing had someone unfamiliar play that character well, I realize we never talked about the rise of Leslie Vernon as well, which is technically right. found footage, but it switches halfway. Well, yeah, it switches third over act, to a regular right? movie. Um, so we can't, we didn't use that one. But I think, you know, if we look up to the third act of that movie, that's another example of a good, a well done mockumentary. Yes. Um, but it's, I agree with you. I, I've never seen Digging Up the Marrow, um, but I probably have the same issue that you do, right? Because, yeah, yeah, it's like, that's one thing I've learned about found footage is you need people that are either unrecognizable or if they are recognizable, have them playing themselves in the situation. Yeah. 
And I wonder if Cloverfield now, if that's taken a little bit away from because yes. you watch TV, you're like, yay, DJ Miller. DJ like, Miller. You know, at the time that came out, you have to kind of forgive that, right? Like at the yeah. time that came out, no one really knew who they were. So, and and we actually enjoyed Cloverfield. Um, we thought that was pretty good. Um, yeah. So I think when you have something like Cloverfield with TJ Miller, you know, we, we have to forgive that now watching it, we know who TJ Miller is, right? right? Like, you know, at the time, we didn't know, we didn't know right? So like, but even now, I don't think Cloverfield is that well done of a film comparably to other ones. I don't think it's no. bad. I, right. I think it's enjoyable. Um, but it's definitely taught me more about the fond footage, what I like, what I don't like. And, you know, yet again, it's proved to me that Spanish films knock it out of the park like rap. Yeah, no right? kidding. So um, I'm glad we did this. I'm glad we pushed ourselves outside of our um, typical knowledge of films and really, really kind of broke it down into these three categories. It, it really helped. And I'd like to spend say a very special thank you to Christian Luciani from the Exploding Heads podcast. Um, it was through Christian that we were able to see a lot of these films. So thank yes. you very much. Yeah, thank you, Christian. I greatly appreciate that. And so. But yeah, this has been... A interesting journey altogether with this because like I was saying I used to avoid these movies like the plague and you know finally just forcing myself to sit down I watched so many like not I didn't even watch like not even just for our main topic or what we watched segment there's like probably like five or six each episode that I just never talked about in our what we watched segment but I watched at least, like at least 10 to 12 different films for each of these little mini subgenres. Well, and now that increases your knowledge, right? And I yeah. think that's the important thing is that you learn how to defend films and you learn how to clarify and discuss what you like because you've exposed yourself to these different subgenres of, you know, a main genre like found footage, much like what we did with the zombie movies, um, much like what we did with creature features, right. you know, you begin to take a genre and then you begin to break it down and it allows you to expand your thoughts. So I think that's really important. I'm glad we were able to go on this journey. Um, and we only have two more episodes left. Yes. Oh boy. Shall we get into what we're going to be doing? Um, sure. Because it's my idea and it's a good one. So Scott and I will hopefully have a guest on for our Christmas episode because, you know, we're basic bitches and this is what we do. Uh, we're going to do a Christmas theme horror episode because all Scott's likes is Christmas. I mean, horror. And he doesn't like Christmas. So we have to so she's really just the... talk about, you know, getting him in the Christmas. You know, it's funny. I'm like totally on the fence. Like I like I like Christmas. I do. I like Christmas a lot. I wouldn't say I'm like a crazy horror person, like Halloween person, to be honest with you. Like I'm like... No. I really like Halloween, but I also really enjoy Christmas. I feel like it is possible to like both. Yep. Um, and you can combine both. Yep, there exactly. is the nightmare before Christmas for a reason. Exactly. And there is Gremlins and other films that we will be talking about next episode. Well, you could argue that the original Christmas Carol is kind of fucking freaky. Yeah. Like when they get to the third ghost of Christmas fucking future and it's mm -hmm. like the Grim Reaper dude and he's like, you're going to fucking die, Scrooge. Like, it's uh, it's intense. It really is. That's and, scary. I mean, like, ghost stories were always told during Christmas time way back in the day, too. So there's always been horror with ghosts. Or a wonderful life. He 
basically dies. He finds out what would happen if he was never born and his brother drowns and shit. Like, obviously, it's not hardcore horror, but like, there's some darkness that comes with being grateful at Christmas time. So, you know, Krampus, get your ass in here. We're going to have some some good times. And then for our end of the year show, I uh, I did not want to do a top 10. And let me explain as to why I did not want to do a top 10. I think a lot of people do top 10s, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But as a listener, I get tired of hearing the same movies over and over again. Because generally speaking, unless you're um, Vin from the horror, um, the, the horror the watching around table, or the horror cast, or Mark Nato, most people have all seen the same movies. They are the yep. only people that I have ever listened to that I've been like, oh, what's that film? Don't know what that film is, right? And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. That's fine. We all like good movies. If a movie's really good, we all want to celebrate it and recognize it. That's fine. I just didn't want Scott and I to have to repeat ourselves on what everyone else is going to say or argue with, well, I don't know, argue with other people, but to just go through a top 10 list to me that seemed arbitrary. So well, what- and. Also, we like we've kind of given our lists away. If you listen to our episodes, moving on, we like, really have actually, yeah. Like we so talked makes... about what we like, yeah. And the problem is, is that you know Scott and I watched a lot of movies this year. Scott so far more than me, um, and I wanted to find a way to kind of acknowledge films that maybe weren't that great but had really great parts in it. So Scott and I will be doing an award show instead. Yes. Um, and we're going to be coming up with categories. So, for example, some of our categories will include best film on Shutter, best film on Prime, but there'll also be things like didn't see that coming, which is best twist, best bloodbath, um, as well as best protagonist, best antagonist. What else did we come? Uh, up with? We had uh, films that were uh, best anthologies, uh, best Anthology. documentaries. Oh, and then uh, punch in the gut which yep, is punch in the, gut. the feels, um, something that you didn't see coming. I should say the feels because feels is a different one. Punch in the gut is something that you didn't see coming. Then we have all the feelings, which is something that pulls on your feelings and your emotions. Yeah, but I think um, we had a relationship one. A relationship one as well. Um, so basically we've come up with these really creative horror things and then some other basic stuff, you know, like acknowledging what's been on Prime this year, uh, what has been released on, you know, Into the Darks. We'll be talking about our oh. favorite Into the Dark. And there is one category that I ended up adding that I felt so proud because we joked about it earlier on in the like when we first started the show about how, you know, it would be nice if Uncorked got some attention once oh, in a you, while. Oh, you did put Uncorked? So <laughs> we have a best of Uncorked category as well. Excellent. So we have a variety of categories, some with some clever names to it, some that are very straightforward. So we will be doing an awards show. Um, if I can get my Zoom not having this crazy weird background anymore, uh, we will film it and we will post it for people and to I will watch. be naked. And Scott will be naked. And we will do an actual video. It will probably be one of the few videos that we do do because that's not really our jam, but we will do one. And yeah, we're going to do that instead of a top 10. So we will announce the categories on the show. And then we'll probably do something afterwards where you can have a discussion. And it will just be what we have decided that we liked out of this year going through the different categories that have existed. It gives us a chance to talk about our movies that would be in our top 20 anyway as well as movies that maybe we wouldn't have brought up 
Um, but we're going to have an opportunity to talk about it now. I think one of the other categories was too close for comfort, which yes. was too much like 2020 for our liking. So <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, whatever that may be. So Scott and I have no, each, no idea what each other has chosen yet. Um, I nope. don't know if we're going to keep it for a surprise to the day of. I would like to. I yeah, think I think we that, should. Um, so Scott and I will not know what each other has chosen. We just know the categories. And you, we can have up to two choices for some categories. So for example, we chose not to gender the protagonist. We just said best protagonist. And if we want to say two females or two males or whatever, we can. Um, same with antagonist. And of course, if we have a runner up to a topic, if we really like think something was really like we can't decide between two we can we can give those two but we hope this gives you guys something different to listen to um during the end of the year show and we'll see how it goes yeah this is gonna be a lot of fun it'll be a lot of work on my part because i'm so obsessed with lists so i'm gonna be like having to like work on these lists and just work them over and over and over again but that's gonna be the fun of it i look forward to doing all i'll decide the day before (laughs) yeah i was gonna say and you'll just be like (laughs) isn't that how you usually say it's like that's exactly what happens i just kind of vomit shit all over the place and hope for the best sounds like a good saturday night you're right um but anyway so that's that's what you can look forward to from us for the end of the year so we're very excited for both of these uh these kind of themed episodes and yet again we want to thank you for listening as always we appreciate your support and your kind words and even downloading our episode that uh, that means a lot to scott and i whether you listen to it or not at least you download it right exactly that's all that matters Give well, us if you're at this numbers. point you must have listened so you know <laughs> right welcome my friends and unless scotty has anything else to say i think i'll close this bad boy out no i was gonna say i thank you everybody for listening and joining us on this journey as we always uh find new things about how to do this show and it just gets more and more entertaining for us and hopefully it continues to be entertaining for all of you guys. But until next time, unpleasant dreams. Good night.